We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is running incredibly late. If he joins the show, that'll be great, but we'll see. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 325. 325. And um, this week we are talking Solo, colon, a Star Wars story. The latest Star Wars anthology film coming a mere five months after um, The Last Jedi hit theaters. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about all that and more because Solo, um, which we all expect, we expect it to be you know, a fairly big hit uh, for the summer, opened uh, for Memorial Day weekend with $83 million so far. Um, it'll probably, you know leap get around 100 by the time monday rolls around you know get the four day total in but yeah 83 which is for a star wars film decidedly low but we're, we're gonna talk about this we're gonna talk about this movie if it was needed or not what kind of things are going on as far as why people maybe did not flock to it in the same way um but we have we and you know the movie itself of course uh, but we have all that to go over later on for now we're gonna talk um about other things including introducing our guests for this episode we have from the other side of Tatooine, he's back from hurting all the nerf. It's Peter Paris. Hey, everybody. And from the Milky Way Blues, he's always packing a good blaster at his side. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, guys. How are the two of you doing this morning? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, getting ready to uh, go back home to Chicago for a week, so I'm just enjoying my relaxing Memorial Day weekend. Never had Peter on. I always know to wait a half a second because I know he's going to give us an update on on life status. So it's it's good to it's good to get that. Everyone else is pretty good with it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing well. We're I'm excited. Peter's like, well, let me tell you this. Bullet point. Bullet point. Bullet points. <laughs> but no, it's it's good to have you guys back on the podcast as always. We're talking Star Wars, which I know you guys are big fans of. So this should be this should be a good show. It'll be even better if Abe wakes up and gets on this podcast. But we'll see how that all goes. For the time being, it's three of us plus my lovely girlfriend in the background. So that seems like a good crew right there. Enough to enough to pilot at least one Millennium Falcon. So we'll just see how that goes. Um, for now, let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, we have a new commentary track. So you can do all this Star Wars. Uh, we just recorded a Return of the Jedi commentary, which was a lot of fun to do. We get into all kinds of things with that commentary track, which is now available on iTunes and Audioboom. If you want to listen to that, you can go to those places and do so. You can especially go to iTunes to not only listen to that commentary track, but give us a review or rating, which would be great. Um, you can log into iTunes, you can search right now with Aaron and Abe, you can download that Return of the Jedi commentary track, and then you can be like, you know what, there's more I can do here, including give us a review or rating, of <laughs> which you can easily do. You can give us a star rating, which would be great, or you can write us a little written review, that'd also be great. So thank you in advance for that. Um, what else? Um, all of you are in our 7th annual Summer Gamble. Uh, Peter and Yancey, you guys are on there. And, oh, yeah. um That's currently going, obviously, and you know this is the latest entry onto that chart, and... I'm curious, where do we all have Solo? I'm pretty sure I have it fourth, right behind uh, Avengers, Incredibles, and Jurassic World. I think we're all pretty much the same in that, if I'm not mistaken, right? I copied you guys pretty much, and I'm sure that's where it is. I might have been two or three. I thought it was going to do pretty well. Like, we all have Solo, at least in the top five, that's what I'm saying, right? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah top five. Yeah, and... Um, and from from this opening, we, unless it has, you know, and it could have, you know, massive legs and just kind of carry itself out as like a default watch for most of the summer. Uh, but right now, it's like I don't know, fourth place is going to be the, the landing spot for Solo. Like, I, I I don't know. So, and we, I think we were all kind of concerned, not concerned, but like curious where this entry would land. And we all figured, well, it'd be high because of Star Wars, right? But we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, can I 
Yeah. Can I ask a question? Sure. I think if I'm right, most of us picked Infinity War, but now that I think about it, because it opened in April, should we have not included Infinity War? Should that not have been a summer movie anymore? We made it's, it. Well, it would... we re- we recorded a week early because of Infinity War. <laughs> we we all made it. Okay. We we agreed upon the decision that Infinity War was the summer start movie. Um, and yes, okay. we all we all have it at number one. There was no question for us as far as that. And given how things are going, that seems about right. Although Incredibles two tracking really well, <laughs> I'll just say that. I don't I don't know if that's going to be seven hundred oh, million dollars, but you know, doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's, it's certainly. I, I would say for sure, Incredibles two is going to do better than Solo now. I don't know. I mean, what are, what are we at for Infinity War? Six twenty or something? It's at six twenty and climbing. I mean, I don't see anything matching that. That's a pretty that's a pretty high number. So... <laughs> So Black Panther is going to be the biggest movie of the year domestically because I don't think Infinity War will beat it. But it probably won't catch all, it. But Infinity War is already beating Black Panther globally. Yeah, right? I think that's right. So either way, Marvel wins. <laughs> well, Disney. Well, Disney, Disney wins because like, Disney's going to have this and Incredibles and Solo. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. That's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, that, what, what? What? Oh, Universal has Jurassic Park. Yeah. So that, that'll be big. So that there's there's, there's still fallen kingdom which actually i'm getting more as much as i did not love jurassic world i'm kind of looking forward to fallen kingdom i don't know what's changed my mind but i'm because you, your know. inner child keeps streaming at you dinosaurs are fun i should watch movies about I dinosaurs yes i i don't really i guess so i don't know why i i don't i just for some reason we I'm need like, to put in a call to the universal right now man <laughs> kind of interested in jurassic world <laughs> 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 that, that sounds like an onion Oh, yeah. um, I saw like yeah. a 45 second commercial yesterday where it was the just the dinosaur like stalking a kid in his room. Uh-huh. It was basic. Uh, it, it, it appealed me more than a shot of what's his name's face. You know, like <laughs> you're not a Chris Pratt fan. I'm aware of this. I'm so not a Chris Pratt fan. <laughs> but, I'm a Chris Pratt fan in parks, in recreation. Oh, and you know, I don't mind him. As, I liked him in the first Galaxy. I'm mixed on him. <laughs> I'm in the middle. Okay. I, I, only because uh, you know me. If you didn't know me, you'd love him. <laughs> All right. That concludes things I didn't ask portion of the podcast. Let's. <laughs> but to suffice it to say, the summer gamble is going. There is a lot of us uh, from the podcast that are all within it. Uh, we've all predicted what we think are going to be the biggest hits of the summer. And it'll, you know, we're, we're it, as opposed to Avengers where we had kind of a few weeks before things really kicked into the gear. Now it's pretty much every week there's going to be a movie that we probably picked in some capacity. So, yeah, things are going to start moving in that realm. Um well, if that's it, let's move on. Let's get to know everybody. Reach I we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know everybody. Um, and I have a question for you guys. If you were going to bet it all, what would be the game you would play? Wait, what do you mean? If you were like in a position where you needed to like bet everything to like win something of equal value, such as a spaceship, for example, what would be the oh. what would be the game that you would be like? This is the one that I know I could win in. I'm not bad at. Uh, there's a lot of poker games I really like. I'm trying to think. Uh, what is it called? I just played it. Yancy, what's your answer? Interestingly enough, I went went to was waiting in line for a movie last night, and I played for the first time in my life this Cards Against Humanity game. Yeah, and oh, I won, yeah. and I think I would choose that. I bet you I would win that almost every time. That's a terrible thing to say, but <laughs> I, I I feel like I've got a real knack for that game. I would choose that game. You have I a knack think. for reading people. I'm just got a knack for the right the right work the right word to make the joke 
sort of I don't know. Okay, let, let me rephrase that. So you have a net, you, you're better at putting the right combination together as opposed to guessing who made that combination. It's the first time I've ever played it, man. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just, I'm not good at most other, I'm not good at poker. You can tell by looking at my face that I'm, that I'm not, <laughs> but like this game was based more on trying to be funny. I'm like, I, I, I'd run a risk of that versus a spaceship rather than trying to be lucky, I guess. Okay. I'm not that lucky. Or you're just terrible at probability. That's <laughs> yeah, it could also be it. Peter, you have an answer? I don't remember what it's called. I mean, I guess I'll just say poker. I, I really like most variations on poker. Like, I do. Um, and I, I think I'm okay. I don't think I'm, like, brilliant or anything. But, like, I, I yeah, I enjoy it. I'm also a fan of Uno. Um, but, Uno? Yeah. I do okay, like I'll But uh, cards that get to me, I, I can only play it once. I don't know it that well. So, um, But, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with, I don't know. I'll go with, you know, traditional Texas Hold'em or something, poker. All right. What about you? You'd bet, you'd bet it all on, on a game that you're pretty okay on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty easy answer: Mario Kart. I would just I just bet it all on Mario Kart. I just play it. I didn't realize we could do that. Of course, I could say a video game. Well, if we're if we're gonna play make play. up space poker games for solo, I could use whatever game I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're doing that, then I guess I would say Halo or something. Yeah. Actually. Actually, I am pretty good at Mario Kart. I would also say Mario Kart. Okay. I'd like to change it. I might right. choose uh, this show's trivia contest, actually, if that was the There you go. Yeah, use the Out Now <laughs> games that you're playing. Out Now games, yes. All right. Well, there we go. We got our answers. Um, okay. Uh, well, that's my question. Abe's not here, so we'll get right to the poll question. Every week on this podcast, we've been doing polls from the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where I put two movies against each other. They generally fit the theme of the film of the week. And the idea is that not only are you picking one movie over the other, but by doing that, the one you pick gets saved and the other film gets erased from existence. As in, things change. Pop culture changes in some way if it had any effect on that. The career paths of certain directors and actors change. It's like the movie didn't exist. So, huh. just to make it extra hard. Uh, so, with that said, uh, for this week, the, the question revolved around um, younger versions of famous characters. And so I put up X-Men First Class versus Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot. Uh, before I get to the poll results, and I'm pretty sure Yancey hates both of these already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, would you, what would you guys pick between the two? Star Trek, for sure. Wait, I mean, wait, to, me, to destroy it? Destroy First Class is my choice. You would destroy First Class, okay. Absolutely. And I'm not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I really like First Class. Uh, no, I would keep First Class. I mean, I really like this. I think the Star Trek reboot's better, but I don't really feel like I need more Star Trek movies. So, <laughs> and also, yeah, it ruined mean, Michael Fassbender's. Like, now he's just one of these movie actors. Yeah, I don't know. Put him on a weird career. No, he was good, but he was really good as Magneto. Yeah, but now he's like, that's all he does is a, what's the running on rooftops video game? What's he doing that for? Because of that movie, Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed, because of First Class. He should be doing more of these Steve McQueen movies. He got his Oscar nomination after he made First Class, just to put that out there. Go for And then jobs. never look back. I guess you're right, I guess you're right. 12, guess 12, you're yeah, 12 Years a Slave came after First oh, yeah. Class. The, I'm just saying, the guy can do both. He made Slow West in the same year he made Assassin's Creed. It's like, it's not, I don't think he's Yeah, but he's not really doing both, is he? He's kind of more movie star guy now, which is fine. I guess we need movie stars too, but... Anyway, I didn't like first class. <laughs> he knows. 
I love first class. I really like first class. See, I'm in a I'm in a weird place here where obviously I'm not a Star Trek fan, as we probably know on this podcast. Star Trek is in in general, not just the J.J. Abrams movie, and not as it's not a, too. not not it's not it's not yeah. a fan. More of it's just not my thing. You know, if you want to have Star Trek movies, have Star Trek movies. It's just not my not my tea, cup of tea. Um, that said, and I think first class is a I think first class is a better movie. But I get, I be, the logic you're using, Yancey, is essentially that, like, you know, Fastbender, among others, like, their careers get affected in some way, and, like, they, but I'm, I'm curious if we get less of the the work that the Star Trek cast would go on to do because they didn't get to be in Star Trek, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, Chris Pine and Kinto, well, was Kinto really done <laughs> besides Star Trek movies? I but. feel like Chris Pine was going to be a movie star anyway i mean he's just such a natural he would just do something else of them, i mean like carl urban got a newbie to carl urban, already, yeah. yeah but i mean none of them have really oh and you got simon Pegg. oh good lord i don't know yeah so i'm at a i guess i'll just go first class just because i like the movie more. <laughs> I mean, i do and i mean it has fastbender going on and it's like all right well that works yeah, I it's guess funny, I go all three, none of the three of us are big Star Trek fans right now on the show. It's interesting. In the Star Wars podcast, what are the odds of that? But um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, the, the same way. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just not really eh, not my cup of tea. Well, after we lost all those listeners, let's get to the actual results of the poll. Thirty-three um, percent went first class versus sixty-seven percent for Star Wars. So yeah, or sorry, Star Trek. So yeah, the J.J. Uh, Abrams reboot won out this one, and Star First Class is now erased from existence. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> If I was, if if we were a better podcast, I would keep track of all the movies we've erased from existence and then refer to it as such, as if our co- our podcast continuity would make a difference for all this. So we that we can never reference that movie. Exactly, we would never be able to reference certain movies again. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not that good of a podcast. We're, we're just we're just good enough. So that's how that goes. And with all that said, that's how you play. No, everybody. All right, let's move on. Let's get to out now quickies. TM. Each week out now, we have a movie that we talk about with other ways we were the week. That was always a quick one. TM. All right. Uh, Peter, what movies have you seen? What other movies have you seen recently? Uh, I loved Revenge. Um, did you see it? No. I thought I think that's fantastic. Um, I saw Game Night. It was all right. Um, I'd heard such good things. And so you're not so you're not like head over heels for Game Night in the, the same way that some other people are. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of a David Fincher comedy spoof thing, but eh, it was okay. Eh, just eh, pretty forgettable. Um, but I really liked Revenge. Um, and then we're going to talk about Solo. I feel like there's something else I saw, but I can't think of anything else. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. But Revenge, I, I thought, was really terrific. All right. Yancy, how about you? What, what have you seen recently? I saw Deadpool 2 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Yeah, I saw that. Yep. I think we're probably all the same on that one, too. I I liked it a a hair more than the first one, but again, it's not really my cup of tea. It's strange, strange, strange tone those movies have, but eh, I wasn't angry that I saw it. I'm kind of like, I'm with you, because Peter, I think you like them the most of the three of us. Um... I I did, but again, I'm... uh, I liked Deadpool 2 more than the first one especially because of brolin i mean he's just a yeah, brolin is fun antagonist than the generic guy was but but i i'm not gonna go to bat for deadpool too but yes you and i saw it together and uh, i laughed a lot i enjoyed myself so yeah i don't know if i need to see it again but yeah, it's you know, like it. when a movie you, works that hard against when a movie works that hard against like being a regular movie it's i, I, I don't know i don't think 
You almost would rather see a regular movie than see a movie where they have to constantly refer to, refer to what's going on. See, my issue is I don't think it works that hard to be. I think it has the guise of trying to work hard. It's just it's not really doing that. It just has a. That's true. It has too. a very it's generic like just like the just like the first one. The plots are very generic. They're very much it's exactly what you've seen in other movies, but because we're making right. jokes about it, suddenly we're supposed to think it's different. And it, I just it's not subverting anything in my eyes. It's not subverting anything, and it's not edgy at all. It's not challenging its audience at all. And the R rating is only for profanity and nudity. It's not for violence, yeah. intense subject matter. It's like it's weird. Yeah, you guys are totally right. I agree a hundred percent on what you guys. But if like I just I th- yeah, if I mean, the jokes land, they land, and I just I right. It's just not doing well, somebody, it. At a, it's not doing it at a a level where I'm like, oh yeah, this is amazing because of how hilarious this well, all is. <laughs> one of you guys, I think it was Pete, compared it to Airplane. I've seen it compared to Airplane a lot. I'm like, no way. Is that like Airplane? Because Airplane is not really trying to also be a regular movie that you get wrapped up in emotionally. It's just jokes. Deadpool wants to also be a regular superhero movie with a traditional ending, and it just, you know, you know it's not the end of the end of the end of cinema as some would like to declare it. But yeah, my yeah, but the. It's like Laugh Man or something. Yeah, Robert Hayes and like Julie Haggerty's relationship is not the thing that's driving me to watch Airplane in the same way. No, it's absurd. It's real. All that's important is the jokes. Whereas in this, they're also trying to tell us a story. Also, okay, fun thing. Um, I watched, um, Anna and I watched Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, a few weeks ago. And um, there's there's a stepfather in that movie. And I was like, who is this guy? He looks so familiar. He has big eyes and hair. It was Robert Hayes. And I'm like, oh, it's, oh. it's, it's Robert Hayes from Airplane because he's playing like a straight character. It's like, this is so... Ab- and I guess he is... Technically, he's playing straight in Airplane. He's just hilarious because of all the absurdism going on around him. But it, just, it, took, it took me a minute to like place this guy. It's like, who is this guy? He looks so familiar to me. And it's like, oh, that's who it is. So there Did you go. Did he play Starman for like three years on television? I think that's right. There was an adaptation of the John Carpenter movie, Starman, with Robert Hayes as this, as the Jeff Bridges character. That actually, I can see that. That actually fits. For years right. and years, yeah, that was, that was a regular, that was a sort of a hit, I think. I didn't realize that was a three-season show. I remember there was, like, a show. Maybe it was six weeks. It seemed like three years. Okay. What's the show? They're just, like, week going around for weeks, like, with this I, alien? Yeah, it's just like, you know how he has the little balls? The Starman yeah. has the little balls. He just had, every day he saves them. he saves a different family with one of those balls. It's like the Hulk, you know. I guess eighty six to twenty two episodes. But yes, it was Robert uh-huh. Hayes. Yeah, twenty two episodes. Huh? All right, it's a season. Yeah, all right. <laughs> a season of Starman. <laughs> just that's interesting to me. I didn't. I, I didn't realize it was it was on for that long. Anyway, um, so other movies I've actually was that all you had, uh, Yancy? Do you have Deadpool? Do you have anything else besides Deadpool? Well, I, you know, I, I, it's not that interesting. But last night I went to Cinespia here, you know, at the Forever Hollywood Cemetery, and I saw Almost Famous, which I haven't seen in ten years. Man, that movie for that movie's uh, just perfect. I think. Oh yeah, just I a, love a, just a masterpiece. It. it played so well to that crowd. That's a wonderful movie, man. It really is. Like I don't know. I I, I guess it's kind of a bummer that he hasn't really knocked it out of the park since then although i love vanilla sky but yeah, i'm a, I'm a man, vanilla sky famous. fan but yes I, yeah I, I know what you're saying other than that it's like that we really could use a movie that's that i mean it, it's, it's such it's a it's a it's a mainstream ho- pete yesterday what were we talking about there was something pete referred to as a perfect studio movie always talk about the force awakens it's force basically awakens. a perfect i'm like the, no almost famous is like a perfect studio movie it doesn't sacrifice any heart and soul or purpose by also being a studio movie, it's a, it, it's warm and human. I mean, that's perfect. Okay, look, I do I do think Almost Famous is better. But I mean, Almost Famous was uh, you're I, saying a perfect studio. What is a perfect studio movie? Because Almost Famous, it's not like that was like a hit movie. Like it. 
Perfect it's true. I mean, it was a it was a flop actually. <laughs> like it didn't make its budget yeah, back. Yeah, so it's a hugely it's, I mean, it's got a huge following now. And, and perfect as in here's a movie that is produced in the studio with the studio bigwigs and the committees and everyone else, and Cameron Crowe manages to navigate that and still come out with a movie that feels uncompromised. You got to make a certain kind of movie. It's got to be like a warm sort of. I suppose. I mean, I guess because that's like from DreamWorks in 2000, so that's when they're still pretty much like auteur driven, if you want to call it that. Where like it's like only special, right. only certain movies go to DreamWorks in 2000, if you know what I'm saying. And like, so yes, it's not a movie that's being managed by everybody beyond the director, but at the same time, it's like it didn't make much money either. <laughs> like, Was that really, it, it really wasn't a success. No, it made 47 worldwide on a 60 million budget. Made thir- That's interesting. Thirty-two we're in America. About, we're going to talk about a movie today that is already basically fate has already been decided by the first week box office. Uh-huh. I saw Almost Famous last night. It must have been seven or eight thousand people at that in that graveyard watching that movie. So clearly, it doesn't really matter how much Almost Famous made when it came out. That well, yeah, I'm not I'm not disregarding the legacy of the film, which did get what three Oscar nominations, right? And it did did it, did it win? Yeah, yeah. Did it did it win one? Did it win screenplay? It must have uh... original screenplay. I gotta look this up now. Almost. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman probably Francis McDormand. No, it's Francis McDormand and Kate Hudson because they were back to like they were going they were rivals and then they both lost. Uh, yeah, Camera Crow won best screenplay for. Oh, fail film editing. It got four nominations. Film editing was the other one too. Great Um, and great screenplay. I mean, you know, it's hard to make a movie that's warm and and forgiving without seeming false. But but he does the he does the James L. Brooks thing really well. Oh yeah, that's Cameron Crow. Yeah, he's 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 a Brooks guy. Like. We need him back. Like, Maguire's produced him. by Brooks, isn't it? Pretty Which sure. one? Maguire, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I'd say anything was also produced by, by Brooks. Yeah, he was his mentor. He was his like, guy, we yeah. Need, we either need a new guy like that or we need him back because that, that movie's really special. This is a deeper conversation about what a perfect studio movie is. I, I, I understand what you're saying. This is more of like... I feel like in the in addition to a film that's uncompromised despite being made by a, a major motion picture studio... It feels like it needs to also be a success in the overall too. And but I, why? The, 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 the money doesn't come to us. Why do we care how much a movie makes? Well, something like like Incredibles, I would say, is like a perfect studio movie. Like that's a movie that's completely yeah, a, a it's completely a Brad Bird driven film produced by a major motion picture studio that was a giant success. Sure, and, and in the same way, it's there certainly were notes from Disney. I'm sure they had to they had to deal with, and they they just navigated them gracefully. That know? was that was that Pixar I, days before Disney was they owned them. It was all Pixar doing being Pixar. Well, then Steve Jobs, whoever was whoever. Owned no, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, but I mean that's still coming from like all of those people. But it's still a, it's the only uh, Pixar film up in that up until that point that was written and directed by the same person, where all the other ones are written by Lasseter and and Doctor, like all of them were collaborating more. Where this is a pure bird film. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Pete, you know, I, yes, it's an A minus, I guess, for me. And I, but I think The Incredibles is great, and I would also say most of those Pixar movies also are what I would say, you know, the kind of movie that comes out at Thanksgiving and everyone goes to see it and everyone likes it. It's really good. Like, yeah, that's it, The Force I, Awakens. But The Force Awakens isn't that good. It's just a, it's a nostalgia machine. No, well, that's your. Like, just like, well, like I mean, it. that's your. Like, okay, but that's your. Okay, that's your. No, it's yeah, not like, the it's difference. Not really. The difference I would say there is that that is you know Kathleen Kennedy's looking over a director's film. Like it's not driven by J.J. Abrams' desire to make this perfect Star Wars. Right. Movie. It's made mean, by a bunch of different people. I mean, I would argue going back to one of Star War, one of the Star Wars um, inspirations or whatever. Besides, obviously, Flash Gordon. And I know Yancey doesn't like the movie I'm about to mention, but isn't the Wizard of Oz kind of one of what we're talking about? 
I mean, it's a total had many directors, but it's a total big studio movie. It's yeah, well, but back then just, every movie like, that was great was a big studio movie. Yeah, that wasn't that, any... that's not a that's still the, the the production um, authority in that that at that time was way different than it is or than it, than it became it to just, be. To me, there was only this, there was only big studios back then. Now we also have indie movies that can be more. Oh, that's true. More. Right, but Rumble I mean, core look, or whatever. We are so yeah, off base. You know, let's let's get things back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to my quickies real quick before we move on. All right, go ahead. All right, I've seen a few things. We're making this up week. for Abe here. Come yeah, on. we're making up for Abe exactly. Who's still not messaged me? Abe, I'm sure is just his. He he is a great. He he his team won last night at the Warriors game, and so I'm pretty sure he's just still um, sleeping. <laughs> so that that's my guess. But I hope nothing horrible's happened, or this is going to look really bad on the podcast. But anyway, um. I've seen a few things this week. Uh, I saw "Won't You Be Won't You Be My Neighbor," the uh, upcoming oh, uh, R- Mr. Rogers documentary uh, from the director of Twenty Feet from Stardom," I believe, um, which won the Oscar a couple years ago. Um, it's quite good, um, very good, actually. Um, if I'd be hard pressed to say if you're a fan of Mr. Rogers or not, but I would say that really just applies to people that were too young to watch Mr. Rogers. But like, regardless, it gives you the movie gives you a great insight about what the show was. It's Obviously, it's going to be a little bit about Fred Rogers because he's Mr. Rogers and he's the subject of the but like it's less about telling you his life story and more about telling you the story of the show and what the message what he was trying to do accomplish by having the show, what he was trying to do for children and what kind of effect that had. And I think it's quite good. I, I think it, it it's 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 only like 90 something minutes. It's not too long. It doesn't overstay its welcome as far as giving you all of this information. It does a good succinct job of diving into what the show was, what it was doing, giving you lots of interviews with people that were involved with the show and whatnot. And yeah, that was just a solid doc for sure. Like I would certainly recommend it. Um, and it, it, and it can be quite emotional as far as just seeing the inherent goodness that comes from one person and what that meant to so many. I think there's a lot there. Um, that's neat to kind of explore. Um, I've seen also uh, American Animals. Um, oh, how's that? It's quite good as well. Uh, we talked about this last week. I don't want to get too much into rehashing it, but the essentially it's a heist film based off a true story, and it involves both the dramatization of the heist and the pe- things leading up to it, and the real people that were involved. They they are here in like Talking Heads, um, so you get to see. You know the, the the events leading up to the heist and the heist itself dramatized, and you get to hear the perspectives of the people that were involved in it. And the film does a good job of incorporating multiple perspectives, um, and so there's a lot of interesting direction going on there. Um, and yeah, it's a it's, it's a good it's a good one for sure. I'd, I'd recommend it easily. Um, very it's it has a blend of kind of humor and um, suspense when it gets to the actual heist that I was impressed by as well. Like there's a lot of fun to be had in the movie, but it also gets pretty tense when things ramp up. And um, I forgot this before I saw it, but this is a movie that's partially produced by MoviePass, which is still not a sponsor. Really? <laughs> yes, but it, it is a it is a MoviePass is one of the titles that appears before the movie starts. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's that movie they acquired uh, from like Sundance or wherever it premiered. Um, so yeah, that's uh, American Animals. I believe it opens next week in limited release, but it's quite good. Um, and anybody that's a MoviePass subscriber probably got an email saying, hey, we have a movie that we have coming out. <laughs> you should go see it. And I'd say, yeah, you should agree. I agree. <laughs> go do that. And um, the last thing I'll mention before I mention, we'll move on, um, I watched the Oceans Trilogy uh, this past week, 
um, because you have Ocean's 8 coming out, and I do like the Ocean's trilogy quite a bit, and I still do. I think it's a solid set of movies, very watchable. Um, and I will continue to say that Ocean's 12 in particular is vastly interesting to me. It, it is a movie that I think was... I can understand why it wasn't as appreciated when it came out, but at the same time, I think that movie's fascinating as far as what Stoderbergh's doing and just how much fun that cast is having and how much fun I had with them. Um, I like Ocean's 12. Yeah, I, I like those too. It, it is a... I mean, they're all fun. I do think it... If I had to rank them, it's pretty simple. It's just, you know, 11, 12, 13. I mean, it's, yeah. they just kind of yeah. go down. But getting all of these people together... And, like, the first one has such a great script by Ted Griffin. Like, it's such a... There's so much sharp dialogue going on there and exchanges that really work. And the second two are more like, hey, let's just have fun. <laughs> and it's like, that's fun, I guess. it's, um, But it, they all work for me. And especially David Holmes' soundtrack is so good in all of them. His score is like... his jazzy scoring in all three of those movies really just works which makes me my biggest concern for oceans 8 is the fact that it doesn't have david holmes doing the soundtrack for it it's like okay well we'll see oh yeah the scores were always great for those yeah yeah i enjoyed those all three of those yeah they're fun they're fun movies like that's why there's three of them because there's fun they're fun to have but uh, anyway i watched those all right that was on that quickies Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk for one of the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you. And this week we're talking Mowgli. Um, This is the new live-action adaptation of Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book um, from director Andy Serkis. Um, This is, I guess, taking a kind of a more darker and, I guess, authentic to Kipling's novels approach to the story. Uh, You have Rohan Chand as Mowgli best known for jason bateman's bad words that was the the film he was in i was like oh i know that name um oh. and then you also have uh, christian bale as bagheera kate blanchett as ka benedict cumberbatch as Shere khan naomi harris as nisha andy circus as baloo peter mullen as akila uh and a bunch of others uh so you have a cast here you have a new jungle book movie yancey what are your thoughts on this um you know, in a vacuum i'd say it looked it looked like a pretty interesting movie i'm curious because of andy circus directing um I, you know, I didn't even finish the last Jungle Book, the, the one that everyone liked that the Favreau directed. I don't know. I, it, I mean, it's funny we talk about this idea of, did this movie need to be made? Well, that, I don't know what that means. I mean, who cares? You can make all the movies you want. I'll watch the ones that are good, and I'll skip the other one. But I can't say I am was especially compelled by the trailer. And funny, now that you mention it, isn't that interesting? Benedict Cumberbatch is the snake. Is that what you're saying? No, he's Shere Khan. No, Kate, Kate, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's Ka, yeah. How different like, is that going to be than Cumberbatch's uh, Smaug. Smaug and The Hobbit? It's, kind of, it's interesting. It looked good. It looked good. I just don't. It, it, I can't say I felt the urgency to see it. Other than I do like Andy Serkis. How about you, Peter? Um. Yeah. I. I think it looks fine, but it's really weird how I. Yes, I'm a believer, as I think anybody in this podcast is, that obviously if a movie's good, it's good. I. But really strange like this movie and there's a movie god i want to say is it called ad or something there's some movie coming out i think this alpha summer that looks are you thinking like, of alpha yeah alpha and it looks prehistoric and it occurs to me when i'm watching these this that i'm just like i don't give a crap about like these kind of movies i i just don't like now of course if you guys are like pete it's fantastic I'll, i can see it and be like oh yeah it's really good but like it's weird i don't cons- I, like okay Here's another thing. I don't like when I when I ask somebody what kind of music do you like, 
uh, in general, people usually will be like, oh, I like all kinds, but I don't like country for some reason or heavy metal. And I'll be like, well, what about Johnny Cash? What about, you know, whatever. I can always find things that might not be a genre or a, or a storytelling that I would like, you know. Um, but, yeah, I got to say, I mean, what was that, a two-minute trailer? And I was, like, checked out in, like, 15 seconds. I was like, I don't care about this. Is it the like, aesthetic? So, or is it the, yeah, just... it's the aesthetic. I really don't. Because like, you, you I, like Jungle Book, if I recall, right? I did. I thought Jungle Book was terrific. Although, Jungle Book, when I went to see it, I, I really had no interest. I just went, and I was like, wow, this is really good. But if you would add, but I had no interest to see it. Yeah. The aesthetic of, you know, the jungle or prehistoric or any of that, I just don't care. Like I, it just, it just doesn't do anything for me, you know, like, uh, but again, I love jungle book. I thought jungle was fantastic. And this could be good too. And I'm really curious to see Andy circus direct. Um, so, but yeah, I just, yeah, if this yeah. movie, if something, you know what, this could be your, um, what about like, without, what about King Kong? We just talked Wait, King Kong's amazing. That's but they're all like jungle all. movies. All the all four yeah, of them. What's going on here? No, <laughs> you don't like King the Kong's jungle also, or prehistoric. King Kong's also about hey, like what about Jurassic Park movies? And <laughs> that's about dinosaurs. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not. Uh, you're right. Or like the Apes I movies, guess. I guess. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to oh, narrow down what what it is that Pete is an urban Pete is an urban guy. He's like yeah, post-apocalyptic. He's yeah. modern, I mean, I bar- dude. I barely love fantasy. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings, but when Game of the Thrones is coming, Game of Thrones coming, I was just like, who cares? We're gonna you talk know, about like, the eleventh edition of like one of these fantasy series right in a couple minutes here. He doesn't qualify Wait, that as fantasy. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, well, it's a little different, but um, yeah, I, you know which one I actually did not mind as long as we're talking about all this that I think Yancey and I liked more than you. Um, I did not mind the new Tarzan. Which would kind of fit in the same category, and actually, I was like, "Oh, it's all right." Like, you mean jungle? Liked it, right? <laughs> but it's another jungle. Yeah, it's another like. I just, yeah, I don't know. That seems like exactly uh, this movie. You got a cat, you <laughs> gotta change your mind on this stuff, Pete. Wait, what? I thought since you got a cat, you might have changed your mind on these movies that take place around green things. But you really just yeah. don't like to be reminded of nature or to see nature or to hear about nature. Maybe, maybe that's <laughs> not interesting. Yeah, that's why, not he, interesting. That's why he never eats vegetables. <laughs> Exactly. Like, uh, but yeah, so for me, it's a what we just did. We did what was it? Star Trek versus first class. Uh-huh. No question. You could get rid of all these movies, you know, whatever, whatever we're categorizing these movies are Jungle Book and stuff. You could absolutely wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, I'm, I'm trying to. Like, but, like, I mean, you, like, you say this, but like you what like is the category. King Kong, you, 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 King Kong is the most iconic image of King Kong is him on the on a technology modern re- Modern sky. Regard. I, I wasn't going to go King Kong. I wasn't going to go King Kong. I was going to. I was going to reference the very obvious other Jungle Book movie that you do like. Let alone you I just. Like let alone you just brought up the Tarzan movie. It's just like okay, but like. Well, but, but those are. But that's more me going. You know what? I like this because it's very good. Like that. That's not. It, it's more me saying like I guess there is a a type of story or genre that I'm not a fan yeah, of. Yeah, but I mean, and I don't. I bring up the. I bring up. I bring up the tar. I okay. I bring up the Tarzan one specifically because that's like the most generic version of this kind of movie, and that's one where you can get behind still. That's like generic. Well, although, although to, be, to be fair, I, I probably will never watch it again or anything. I just, I don't know. I was surprised how much I liked that Tarzan movie. I was like, it was all right. Okay. It's David Yates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. And when I say I like it, it's like a, a week three stars. It's, it's not like, oh my god, best movie ever. But I was just, like, you know, it was like, oh. um, 
But it sounds like I am in the minority here. It sounds like you guys are both more, way more excited about this. I mean, this is all built. Like you're this, not open minded, actually. It sounds like you're you're saying that you're open minded, but you're actually saying any movie that's in this milieu, I don't want to see. Right? No, no. And I, well, no, that's that's why I brought it up is to say like that Last I, of the Mohicans. Oh, you've never seen Last of the Mohicans. I've never seen you, it, Michael and Mann. I love Michael Mann. Yes, I know. You got to see. No, you guys are about this. Stupid that seems kind of different. Movie. I would say. I don't know, but. It takes place oh, around green things. It's in the woods a lot. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty limiting factor if you're going to say it takes place around green <laughs> that's things. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the, the seven-year war in America versus Indian jungles. <laughs> like, he is saying the genre he doesn't like is things that take place in nature. Okay. <laughs> that's the genre. So he hates Terrence Malick then, too. Like, Malick is a no-go for Peter. Oh, well, you know what? I love, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark and Uncharted and Tomb Raider. Again. Those are... But those are essentially, that's a character in some kind of, like, you know, uh, nature crazy setting. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, that's what crazy. Mowgli is. It's a character in crazy nature setting. Wait, what do you mean? Indiana Jones, he goes to the, he's totally in, like, jungles and forests. And so, I mean, there's they're essentially, uh, well, you know what? I guess they're ruins, and the ruins are made by man. <laughs> I guess that's a little different. Okay. But, no, no, no. Wait, I, I just want to say this before we stop. Yancey, you are correct. My point was is that I do not like to think of myself as a person who would say I don't care about this type of movie in general. But I am saying for some reason in this particular category, I guess I'm I am one of those closed minded people. But I, I want to know what the category people. is. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm not category. understanding. What the category what is. What do you mean? What? Well, because, because okay, because, because stop, 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 stop. Jungle Book is not like Lord of the Rings, Pete. They're two entirely different things. Jungle Book is not like Lord of the Rings. Jungle Book is not. Are you talking about talking animals? You don't like maybe. Oh, that's no. fair. Actually, maybe he's right. I think it might be the talk. Maybe it is the talking. Yeah, but think of bit. but think oh, of I every like uh, cartoon. Think though. of all the Babe okay. Two is a masterpiece. Oh, I love Babe Two. Babe Two is great. Nothing but talking animals in that one. All right, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> Moving on. But those are but those are exceptions. But you know what? You might be right. It might be the talking animals in general. I think it's the talking animals thing. Oh my god! What was that terrible movie, Cats versus Dogs or whatever? Oh my god! I think I walked out of that. Awful. You guys remember that movie? Uh, yes, I do. There's a sequel, uh, Revenge of Kitty Galore. Uh, but I will once again say, you just like the other Jungle Book, which is all talking animals, like more than do, more than normal. That's just a great, <laughs> yes, it's a great movie. I mean, that just means that I'm open to a great movie. This is all building to me saying I'm pretty much in the same. Not the, that whatever discrepancy you have with this kind of genre, but just the nature of this movie. It looks fine. Like I. It's getting by entirely. Oh, you agree with me? What? Well, okay, no, it's more of I'm getting by entirely on the fact that it has such a great set of people involved with it. You have Andy Serkis as Baloo and directing. You have this great cast voicing all the animals, including Peter Mullen, who I'm a big fan of. It's like, oh, cool. He's he's, he's among the heavy hitters at this time around. But um, I, yeah, it's and yeah, it, it's going to. I mean, I don't deny it going to look good because it's 2018. I expect a movie like this with that budget to look good. Like it that that's. There, it's weird to kind of parse out how impressive something like that's supposed to be, but how impressed am I supposed to be when you have all the money in the world to make a movie like this? It's like, yeah, okay, it, I'd be, I'd be surprised if it didn't look good. So good job on that part. But um, the fact that you have, yeah, you know, Bale, Blanchett, Cumberbatch, like that's, you know, that's a solid set of pe- among others. That's a solid set of people to, to make this kind of thing work. And I, you know, I, I, I want to root for Andy Serkis because you know he, it, despite the fact that he gets seems to get all the credit you know, that he needs for the things that he does. It's nice to see him get, you know, more wins in that regard as far as, okay, now he's going to direct something. So why not? Let's see where that goes. So That's true. I would agree. 
But yeah, with that in mind, Mowgli arrives in theaters October 19th. So this Halloween, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> get ready for Mowgli. Um, all right. That's way too much time spent on all this. Let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our main review for Solo, a Star Wars story. You're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. <laughs> L3! Let's go with a mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. That should have been some of the trailer for Solo, colon, A Star Wars Story. We're in between episodic entries in the Star Wars saga, which means it's time for another anthology film set in the same universe. 2016 gave us the first with Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and now we have Solo, a film based around the life of a young Han Solo. This is the film that alerts audiences how Han got his name, his blaster, his ship, and his best pal Chewie. It also tells a familiar story about a good guy led into a criminal lifestyle and how his cunning kept him ahead of most everyone else. The film was written by Jonathan and Lawrence Kasdan, the latter of whom wrote Empire, Raiders, Force Awakens, among other things. The film was directed by Ron Howard, who replaced previous directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Let's start with uh, let's 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 start with Peter. Peter, where have you been with the? Or, uh, here's a better question: What when you think of Star Wars anthology films, what kind of expectation do you have, and where do you think of this film? Um, I used to have very high expectations because um, as much as I love all six Star Wars movies, you know, before we get to the Disney, the, the Disney era, um, I thought it was kind of an interesting idea to do Star Wars without the Skywalkers and possibly without the Force. I was like, oh, that could be interesting. Like, what is Star Wars without those things? But as... Uh, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of Rogue One. I was kind of disappointed in Rogue One. And so when we get to Solo, I honestly, up and, you know, up until, you know, I'll save how I feel about the film. But I got to say, I did not have, it was the, it's the first time in my entire, you know, I grew up with Star Wars, you know, my entire life is like Star Wars, like since a little kid. And so this was the first time ever. Um, that I was not excited to see a Star Wars movie. Um, I love I love um, Han Solo as a character. I love Alden. What's the guy's last name? Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Um, I think he's terrific. So I thought he was a good idea for casting, but I was just like, eh, I'm like, I don't really need a Han Solo movie. Like I don't know. So going into this, I had pretty low expectations. I was very much just like, I don't really. Whereas with Rogue One, I was very excited. I was like, Ooh, this could be something different. What will this be like? You know, like. So, so that's where I was. So, what did you think of the film? I enjoyed it. I, I 
was very um, nervous the first, I don't know what we'd say, like the third. How long does it take to get to Lando Calrissian? Is that about 30 minutes, maybe? It's like 40, 45 minutes. 40 minutes? Those first 40 minutes felt very rough to me. Like, very, like, I don't care about him in the Academy. I, 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 and also, we didn't do anything with that. Like, he's he's a scrappy kid, him and Kira, and then I, I'm talking about Han Solo. And then um, he decides to join the Empire, but we don't see that at all, which I thought could have been kind of interesting. Um, but eventually we do get to Lando and L3, oh, and Chewbacca and stuff. And then I was like, oh... This is actually kind of picking up for me. So by the end of the movie, I would say it. I would say like it's kind of like a, a standalone Marvel movie. Like it's it's fun. It's kind of scrappy. It's it's absolutely not. I mean, it's very rough around the edges and everything. But I don't know, man. Like I I thought the whole cast was pretty pretty engaging, mostly engaging, I guess. And by the end, I was like, okay, I would see a Lando movie or another movie with these characters. So I mean, I feel like that's a positive thing i mean granted like it's like a three-star movie it's like a b you know i'm not saying this is the best thing ever but yeah, I, I enjoyed it you know and i i don't remember wait we do or don't talk spoilers we don't we're right? not going to talk to get to the end of spoilers will we <laughs> can we talk about what we thought of something without saying it we'll get there like, when we, we get there for now you gave me your basic okay. thoughts so that's good well, well so my, so, I, so my yeah. i enjoyed it okay Yancey, similar question. The idea of kind of Star Wars films that are not episodic based and have more of a what else is going on out there? Where 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 do you land on that? The idea of doing something like that. You know, I got to say, I saw this movie two or three days ago, and I knew I was going to be on your show, so I've been thinking about it, and I realized you know, every time, every time, even Peter will say this: talk about oh, it's such a huge universe that they that they have to play in. There's so many wonderful, amazing things they can do. They can do so many different stories. I'm kind of like, no, I don't really think that's true. I think a lot of the things we're talking about are tiny little details that were then made into action figures. And when you're a little kid, you play with the action figure, you make up a backstory for it. But every little robot scene in the back of a George Lucas Star Wars movie does not, to me, lead to another interesting story. I feel like. The interesting story of Star Wars is those first six movies, which I love all six of those. Um, so, you know, when he sold off the franchise, I was, or I sort of, my, my heart sort of broke. I was like, okay, well, whatever I can get out of these new ones, I'll, I'll take. But didn't like Force Awakens, really didn't like Rogue One, to answer your, your anthology question. Um, and like I say, I just, that, that to me is not, I never looked at those Star Wars movies and thought, boy, there's another amazing story going on down that corridor with that other strange looking alien creature, because it's, those are rich little details that don't need to be expanded upon. As far as Han Solo having a backstory, yeah, who cares? I mean, maybe, maybe not. You know, well, I'm with Pete on. I, I love Alden Ehrenreich from from Hail Caesar and from the from Rules Don't Apply, which nobody saw. But um, I liked him there. I thought he was good in that. I, I like him in I like him in um, Tetro, the Francis Ford Coppola movie. That's where I first yeah, saw him. he's good in Tetro and he's yeah. good in Blue Jasmine in his little scene. He's obviously just a very natural, charismatic actor. I think he's about as good a choice as you possibly could have for Han Solo, but it's a, it's a job I would not wish upon anyone because it's not like James Bond where you can be James Bond or Sean Connery was Bond for 10 years and then someone else was Bond for 10 years. Harrison Ford's been Harrison been Han Solo for 40 years. There's nobody that's going to really be able to replace him in anybody's heart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm basically agnostic about all these new Star Wars pictures since since he sold them. So You can, you can mention that you really like Last Jedi. You don't have to leave that part out. Oh, I didn't mean to leave it up. I did. I, I did like a lot of Last Jedi, especially the stuff that everyone hates. I loved all the Luke stuff. The Luke stuff and the last sort of twenty minutes, I thought it was brilliant. 
I have to admit, in the in the in the months since, I haven't really gone back to thinking about it much. It was really just I liked it so much in relation to those first two. Um, but even with Last Jedi being much better, I still didn't go into this thinking, uh, caring one way or another whether it was any good. I guess I wasn't going to have my heart broken if it was bad, and I wasn't going to skip out into the night if it was great. So um, I guess that makes me sort of open-minded with this one. Um, and so, what you think uh, of it? I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I don't want to overstate that. I think it's very easy to overstate it because it is like Pete said. It's a three star. It's a B movie. But I gotta say, I think I think differently than a lot of people on these big popcorn movies these days. I think most people really want these big movies to have the dramatic weight and emotional pull of like a, 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 a an Oscar winning, you know, like like a, like a like a drama. You know, they they want to get their, all their nutrients from a Star Wars movie. I'm still married to the idea from years before I was born of, you know, a genre movie is sort of modest. You expect it to be kind of a modest entertainment. It doesn't have to be a world beater. And going into this, it was very obvious. This is this movie does not think it's going to be the next greatest thing of all time. It's just a modest little space adventure. Um, and it's a little shaggy. And it's not, even though there's a lot of uh, fan service, it's not like Deadpool where it's so afraid of just trying to be a movie. It really just try. It really just tries to be a movie. And in that regard, this is a controversial statement, I'm sure, but that's the best Lawrence Kasdan. That's the best script Lawrence Kasdan has been, has been involved in since probably Grand Canyon, however many years ago that was. I think Lawrence Kasdan really bottomed out for the last thirty years. He hasn't done anything. So when he came back to Star Wars, I was like, "You guys, he hasn't done anything good in a long time." This I thought at least felt like a Bogart movie to some degree. It felt like a Bogart movie or or, or Casablanca, you know, Casablanca with the sort of his, his his the thing with the romance and what happens with the character and the sort of flinty nature of it. So. I liked it. I liked it. I would like to see more, and I'm kind of sad to think that it's going to be the black sheep now uh, going forward, obviously, in the series. I was just looking over Lawrence Kasdan. I like Mumford. <laughs> I think Mumford's and, solid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like movies like Mumford, but I thought it was a little bit... I'm not going to say it. I mean, I mean I compared, like, compared, I compared to, like, like his, you know, Grand Canyon or, like, yeah, like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> you know, his other things. I mean, yeah, or before that. Tourist yeah. Or, or Body Heat. Or he, he was brilliant when he first, you know, but, it, but it's been a while, so I was heartened to see some of that. I, I did, I recognize some of the same guy who wrote Empire um, and Han Solo in Empire. I didn't see a lot of that in Force Awakens, so that was heartening. But, you know, whatever. All right. Um, good cast. Most of the most most of the cast is good. You know, Glover is great, and uh, Woody Harrelson was terrific. Uh, Paul um, Bettany's really good. I'm wondering if those Paul Bettany scenes were all reshoots. They were because his character was originally played by Michael K. Williams. Um, he got he, he got brought in later on, um, which shows. Um, Who's Michael K. K. Williams? Sorry, Omar. Omar from The Wire. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, they replaced him. Oh okay. Yeah, they replaced because he was he was going to be his... he was going to be a CG character that was like half lion uh, in something else. Like it was like they had a whole half mountain lion, half human. All the, that was the idea. All the Bettany, all the Bettany scenes are I think on one set. Yeah, they are. And, <laughs> he's worked with Howard before. Yeah, he was good. Bettany was good. You know, but but yeah, that yeah, felt like that like felt Bettany. like the part where this feels like Rishi a little bit. Yeah, I I will jump in here. Um, I as far as the kind of the general question I've been asking, I, I do like the idea of seeing like other stories here. If the, if the logic is that, Hey, we have this and we can keep doing stuff with it. I like this universe enough where, which is, I mean, it's a surprise. I mean, if you're going to, if, if you're, yes, yeah, if you're saying, you know, these are supposed to deliver kind of a genre level entertainment, I figured you'd be more open to the idea of seeing 
a universe like it doesn't take away from the other movies that you already love so be, I, I don't see why it shouldn't be interesting to see other stories within this world that don't necessarily have to match up rich a soil i don't think it's that rich as, as, as people want to say it is i mean i think i given the how expansive this universe has been in the last 40 50 years i think it's proven to be pretty rich i mean people haven't stopped no it's the skywalkers and the force and beyond that i mean i, I would rather i don't it's it just i don't i don't see that same opportunity that people do between all so the novels movies. and the visual guides and the games yeah, and whatnot never, it seems I like this yeah I, I understand that you never read any of that stuff but you can't deny that that stuff doesn't exist <laughs> i think it's because they marketed those action figures of every single character and if you were a kid who couldn't get luke skywalker han solo you got ig88 and the best guard you had to make a story out of those characters that was the action figures you had but they and did make stories later, out of those characters a movie that reflects that I mean, Lucas knew it. He bought he 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 wanted the toy rights. That's what he wanted more. <laughs> I, I Lucas is a brilliant businessman. I'm not. I'm not. We're not th- I'm talking about. I, I just don't. I don't. I, I what I like about those details in the back of the Lucas ones is that they don't lead to anything. They're just details. They're Fair just enough. There because it's an excess of uh, of imagination. Okay. Regardless, um, yes, I am a I I, I I am a fan of the idea of let's do more of this kind of stuff because sure, I, I, I can I can hope that works out for the best. Um, and in regards to Solo, whereas I, apparently I'm the loner on this episode of the podcast, where I liked Rogue One quite a bit, I liked that it did feel like something different and something ambitious, even if it was rough around the edges, if you want to use that term. Um, this, I, so I like this movie. I like Solo. I think it's fun. Um, I think it's fun, entertaining enough. And I just, I wish it felt more special, I guess. It's the first time, I mean, Peter, you talked about how you weren't excited to see the movie. I was excited to see the movie because it's Star Wars, and I, by default, feel like I should be excited by it. And, I mean, given how we're movie guys and how hard it is to kind of not be aware of what's going on involving the production, I, I can't say that I was necessarily disappointed in the movie, but I feel like I was let down a bit because of how... I don't know, unambitious it seemed. Like, it feels like it does what it needs to to be an entertaining movie, but it doesn't do anything more than that. And where, Yancey, you're saying that we should kind of expect that kind of level from a, you know, kind of a B-movie no, genre. I'm saying that's what I liked about it. Okay I, okay, I can understand that. But I guess... I, I feel like if I'm going to see a movie that has the Star Wars brand on it, then it should be at a Star Wars level of entertainment. And... Yeah, but the original Star Wars movies were never they they never tried to transcend being adolescent movies. Yeah, but here we They're are never... in a world where Star Wars has you know is the, like the biggest movie franchise of all time, and it's and it's it's it's, it's dead, endeared right? to so many people people's hearts, including mine, where I should have a level of expectation that's higher than the average. Yeah, but the, the real reason is because the one came out five months ago, and that's the same reason why we don't want to see the Jungle Book because one came out two years ago. It's I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deny that the Last Jedi's. It, the fact that it does have ambition and ideas and is trying to do a lot more than you know the average blockbuster, even the average Star Wars movie, I that doesn't help. I, I can agree with that. But at the same time, even if Solo was never had any goals of like exploring any deep themes or anything like that, I do think that there's there's a better movie that could have come out of all of this. And having run, you know, you have to, you know, a director that came in after the fact to kind of you know finish up the movie. You have some ideas here that maybe have gotten warped in terms of how things were reshot or what have you. Like it, it all, it shows like if, if there's one thing I could say about rogue one, it doesn't feel like a movie that had many, the seams weren't as obvious to me as far as that movie's reshoots and what have you. Like it didn't feel like a movie that felt 
like it was assembled after the fact to a point. I can't say Solo doesn't feel entirely like, oh my god, look how you know ramshackle this movie ended up being. But I could, you can, you can see where the edges are in this. Like Woody Harrelson's character, for example, is my main, not my main thing, but that's one that did show where it's like it seemed he'd be very inconsistent to me, and he seemed held back from being more of a Woody Harrelson type character. He seemed kind of restrained, which I was disappointed in because I like Woody Harrelson, where like he. He has, you know, he has a Tandy Newton plays like his his wife early on, and but he's a guy that talks all about how you have to be alone all the time. And it's like this guy seems very inconsistent as far as what he's trying to do. It's just, little things like that kept sticking out to me in this movie. That overall was fun, but just has like flaws every now and then. And I mean, you mentioned like the first forty minutes. Yeah, it does have a weird kind of you know uh, pacing to it, I guess, or just kind of how it's being constructed that kind of builds up to, okay, now everybody's together and we're just having nonstop fun kind of thing. Like, there's just little things like that just kept sticking out in a way where it's like, well, if I'm going to see a Star Wars movie, I feel like this should be, like, a whole package all the already, even if it's not going to be on the level of, like, the original trilogy or something like that. It, oh. Well, go ahead. It still feels like it should be a movie that feels more than it is. Can I, can I say, I'd like to add also that, um, as I recall... Before we saw Rogue One, I was very much like, huh, I heard they're not going to do a crawl. And I was like, how's it going to open? And I thought they came up with a good idea. I have a lot of problems with Rogue One, but aesthetics is not one of them. Like, um, Rogue One is a beautiful movie. I mean, it looks great. And I love I loved that opening. Freaking Han Solo. I can't believe that instead of doing a crawl, they did the cheapest thing, which was like every cheap B, B movie just does that thing where you just have the titles come up. I thought that was so lame. I was like, oh, really? Like, even from the get go, this that is, to me was pretty disappointing. This you know, is this like, is uh, a this is a weird this is a weird point because I've I've mentioned this with you about font for titles <laughs> recently. Oh, yeah, um, Batman, the Batman yeah, Superman right, thing, yeah. which always because yeah. it's like. <laughs> This is this should be like the biggest epic blockbuster you would see, Batman versus Superman, and for some reason it's like size eleven font in the bottom yeah. right corner of that movie. <laughs> it's like so, it's weird. Yeah, it's now, weird. I would I would also say, um, just as one of the, you know what it is? I think that opening forty minutes, it's the same problem that I think you and I discussed with Warcraft and some other movie where it almost feels like a TV pilot. Oh, it it's does. It's got that no. vibe <laughs> of like it's more just like it's not a movie; it's a TV pilot. But for some reason, it it does. I don't know. It gets going, and then I enjoyed it. So well, I would. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, like it does have the structure of a TV. But I mean, as far as the, I mean, there's a lot of big stuff that happens in the in this movie and in the first. I mean, the in the first within the first forty minutes, there's a giant train heist sequence that's right out of a western that just happens to involve spaceships yeah. instead of cowboys and trains. Sure. Like, and that's and it's cool. Like, it's there's cool stuff here. And I mean, we're talking we're talking around this so far, but the visuals of this movie aren't they they vary more than it seems in most Star Wars movies. This feels like a, there's a there's a lot of darkness and murkiness in a lot of the scenes, where other scenes like some really shine. And it's it's from cinematographer Bradford Young, who did Arrival, he did Selma, among other things. He's a very talented uh, cinematographer, and it just it feels so standard as far as how we're showing some of this like some of the action i think is pretty amazing like the kessel run stuff i think is pretty fantastic i think there's a lot of and that's one where i think the murkiness is necessary given the nature of that sequence where the beginning of this movie is in like a sewer and it's like why is this so ugly <laughs> it's like why? that's interesting you say that because 
it, as docudrama, it's a great movie, but I thought Selma was kind of bland looking too. I thought that kind of was TV movie-ish looking. The same cinematography. Yeah, I do think Selma's figure. a little bland. I would agree. But Arrival, I think, is gorgeous. You have a, but, I mean, you have a very large disparity between budgets on those movies, but yeah, okay. Yeah, but a look is a look. I mean, you know, a look is a look. There's, I, I, I hear you. I, I've seen some a number of times, and I would just say there's a couple sequences that really stood out to me. But regardless, I, I know. It could it's... Be, I like. Well, either way, I still think I like Selma as a movie. Yeah. I was just talking about the visuals, but um, but but yeah, it's a great movie. It yeah, just doesn't look great. It is weird though. Yeah, man. Like I could not. Yeah, it's really weird to me how un eye candy like Solo is. Like it's so strange to me. Like um. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the costume design. I like Lando's outfits, and there's definitely some stuff. But yeah, it's weird. It is a very and you saw it in 3D, right, Aaron? Yeah, and I saw it in 3D, and it was not a great experience. I would not whatsoever recommend this movie in 3D. It was, it's a dark movie that's made darker. <laughs> it's like this did not help whatsoever. I, I want to throw back to the title stuff real quick, just because I had a thing to say. Where yes, they they kind of like let's have it says like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then it keeps having that blue text to kind of give you further context on things, and it's like all right, I sure that's a replacing the scroll, I guess, and then like it gets to the movie, and then the title pops up like on screen and everything. I thought that was kind of neat. What I with Rogue One, what I like there, and you mentioned it, is that the scroll is essentially the pre-title sequence, which I thought was clever. That's what it's doing. Yeah, that was clever. But I then agree. but um, and this is so this is so non-necessary. But the the font of Rogue One was kind of like this is too big. Like I don't like this. <laughs> it didn't look good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Where I like going where no film critics have gone before. It's it's necessary. (laughs) It sets a tone though. It it does set it does set a tone. Regardless, anyway, let's get to other stuff. (laughs) We've we've talked about Alden Ehrenreich to a to an extent already. I think we we can all agree that he's he's good in this role, right? Is that where we're we're leaning on? I think he's ideal. It's just not an ideal situation. Yeah. Okay. I I would agree. Where it's like, yeah, how do you replace Harrison Ford? Um, and to his credit, it's not you know it's not an impersonation. Um, it's not that's not, not what all. he's going for. It's going for his own kind of you know take on a character that we all know, um, which works for the most part. I would never say I just, once he gets Chewbacca next to him and Lando, then it feels like Han Solo for sure. I when, think. Yeah. When he gets familiar character or just characters that seem to want to have fun with him that that helps or even ones that are kind of like foils to him it's like that's that's fun to you know see that interaction because that's how he works that's how Hansel as a character works best good going on we need to divert auxiliary power to the rear deflector shield we definitely do When do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Chewie, get in. I'll help Andy. I mean, by himself, it's like, sure, okay, yeah. But if you have... especially. Yeah, but compared to, like, you know, Harrison Ford by himself, Harrison Ford's inherently charismatic, where it's like, we don't we don't know Aaron Reich. Like, it's like, we don't, we don't have much of a read on him beyond, like, a couple movies where he's generally with other people. Um, Probably you need someone that you know, you don't know. If it, if it was Chris Pratt or anyone else, it would be I think it'd be harder to replace. Him. Oh, for sure. Here the yeah. idea is I've never seen this guy before. Maybe that is young Harrison Ford. You know? Yeah, but the whole that's the it, you know you have to use either a relative unknown or someone that much like Harrison Ford clearly doesn't want the part but's doing it anyway. Like that's right. kind of what Harrison Ford. That's Harrison <laughs> Ford. That's what he's doing in those in the first Star Wars movies where it's like 
well, I'm just the default guy for, for, for George, I guess. I guess I'll do this. And he can bring that charm to it. Like Here, it's like it's hard to kind of find a person that doesn't want to be a huge movie star these days and cast him in this movie. Um, but what about the rest of this cast? I, I mentioned some things about Woody Harrelson. Do you, you, got, do you guys have any thoughts on I love I, I love Donald uh, Glover and um, is it Phoebe Wallace? Is that her name? The, uh, from Fleabag. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is fantastic as L3. And and that show Killing Eve, which she which she's writing, is great. Like she's really something. Like I yeah, I'm all thumbs up on her. Dancy. What, what all the cast? Yeah. Um yeah, well uh well, uh, dare I say that I still think Amelia Clark is pretty boring. Like I don't know what her appeal is. Uh, she's the weakest link in the movie, I thought. Uh I get that she's the mother of dragons and all that, but I, apart from that, she she's about as impressive in this as she, as she was in the Terminator movie, which is not very I um, I would say it's a it's a slight cuz that movie's just god awful in every way. I would I say I about that. I, I would because I think that movie's god awful. It was the worst movie of that year for me. Um, the worst movie of that year. Yeah. All right. All right. There's some good stuff in there. <laughs> There's stuff in there. That's for sure. The time travel thing with Arnold, where he gets a job as a as, as, as in a factory and gets fired. That's brilliant. That's one job better than the worst movie of that year, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we, Donald Glover is is is, is very good. Um, Bettany was good. Uh, everybody's pretty good. I like the cast; is really strong. Oh yeah, but I'm But I mean, he, he still is good in the movie. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, Woody Harrelson can do this kind of role in his sleep. That's not my problem with him. It's more of I think there's more fun that could have been had in this movie, and I wonder if it's affected by the reshoots. Honestly, like I feel like scenes involving him. It's a lot of fun, man. I don't know is he a lot of fun though? Fun. Like I'm trying. Like every time he kept showing up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Woody's in this movie, and it's like I feel like I should know that he's constantly around since he's like second build in this movie. And it just seems I, more, I it, it yeah. seems like after a while he's just kind of on, he's just kind of on hand. And the I mean we haven't talked about the story much, but there's never any thought that there's never surprise for me as far as where these characters went in this movie, um, which I also and, and I did. And it did, you know, it, it occurred to me as I'm watching, oh, they're kind of going for the same thing you do with Indiana Jones, where he has this mentor who's kind of just like him. Mm-hmm. You know, you lost today, kid. doesn't mean you have to like it. That, that was kind of what they were doing with Woody Harrelson, sort of being the proto-Han Solo. Yeah. But yeah, at a certain point, it feels like there's no place for him in the movie, really. Yeah, well, there's a um, part where they go they go to, they. it's before the Kessel Run, where they have to kind of steal something, and they're in a place where everyone seems to be involved in some way, and Woody's there. And it's just like, I feel like he should have more of an effect on these scenes beyond just being, like, a guy that's good with a gun. Like, Woody Harrelson's a great personality. He's like, I was excited when he was cast in this movie. He's like, yeah, that is a good, like, if you're going to have Han Solo look up to somebody, Woody can play that kind of shifty personality where he's likable, but also you don't know if to trust him or not. Like, that's a clever casting sure. choice. And it just feels like he's under he's underserved by the film itself. And based on what I mentioned, where he the way he speaks versus his actions, it seems like there's, and there's some ADR here too, I can tell. It's like, it seems like they've, he got affected a lot in kind of making this, in order to make this movie work. Uh, where, meanwhile, Glover, he's great. Like, he does, he does exactly what he needs to. He, the seat taken. Nobody's in the seat that I ain't taken, friend. So this is, uh, Sabak. 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 Got it. You played before? A couple times, yeah. Captain Lindo Karazi. On Solo. Looks like you're uh, having a good day. 
I'm a lucky guy. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han? It's Han, but that's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. He clearly won everyone over from the trailer alone, so it's like, all right, like, he didn't have to do much, but like he works. He yeah, works a much movie. easier job than than I'll error write that though. He he does have an easier job, but at the same time, he still does it. Like he still did the job, and he did it with a plum. I would say. And his character, if I'm not mistaken, the one thing I thought was really kind of shockingly good about this movie, if, if there's one thing, was that the, the, I won't go into it, but the, the relationship he has with that droid is very interesting. Yeah, like that's yeah, really like of Star too. Wars to me. Yeah, that's where it's there's something new. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before. It's an interesting, you know, a, a wrinkle. You know, yeah, that's the one place where, and there's a whole, I guess, subplot involving L3's mode of operation, like what she intends to, what her preferences on like droid rights and how Good that scene, yeah. how Good that scene. plays out in her main sequence. It's like that's interesting stuff, and I wonder, I wonder how much of that. I agree. I mean, this is all, you know, it's it's still Kasdan's screenplay, and I wonder, I'll, I'll take a step back, from, and I'm trying not to get too much into the reshoots and replacing director stuff and determining what's what and what's what, because that's not fair. There's no real way to do that. But based off how people have talked about things, like Donald Glover has said that he didn't do much of the stuff involving the reshoots. Like, he said there wasn't much done versus others that say there's like 80% of the movie was reshot. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, well, that would make sense for Glover because all of his scenes, they don't feel affected by anything. It doesn't feel like there's been any change much. And something like a, a droid revolution, that feels very much like a Lord and Miller type thing to put together compared to something, you know, compared to like a very... Stand, you know, that seems like something different and new, which feels like something that those directors would probably want to be a part of. That's like something that would attract them to this screenplay to begin with. And that's why that stuff stuck out to me, like the Lando stuff and that stuff in particular involving how to base an action sequence around what droids are up to. Like that feels new and fresh. And I guess there's not enough of that in this movie. I wish there was more. Like, it doesn't need to be an entirely new take on this character with all kinds of things that forward the way that cinema goes. That's not what I'm asking for. But it just feels like if you're making Han Solo the movie and you're not constricted by, you know, the Skywalker plots or what have you, it can go a few more different directions than just the standard hero's journey. Like, it's not really, there's not much here. I think they're starting to do what I suspected they were going to do initially, which is, they are, yeah, the anthology ones are separate, but really they're going to start building upon each other more and more. I think that the focus on those dice in the last two movies... I, is is important. I mm -hmm. knew we were going to see those dice in this movie. I'd never noticed them before, but they're so they're so heavily uh, uh, featured in Last Jedi on Solo's dice. It's like the first thing you see are these little dice, and I'm like, okay, they're going to start like something from this movie is going to be reflected in the in the next trilogy or the next movie or something. There's a plot development. I'm sure it's going to it's going to add into that somehow. You know, there there are sort of MCUing it a little bit. I think. So here's my I mean, next here's my next thought. I'm not we're not going to get into spoilers, but. There's room for more Han Solo adventures, right? That's we 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 know this based off how this movie plays. For sure. Okay. Sure. And I'm I'm curious what the next steps are going to be. I'm not. I don't. We don't need to expand upon that. But I, I based off how the the movie the movie doesn't dissatisfy me by its ending, but it does just feel like it kind of stops. It doesn't feel like it's. It just it doesn't feel like it's leading it it, it it going on this journey and ending it. I was like I, I didn't walk out thinking, 
well, now I have that full Han Solo story I really needed. Like, it's like, all right, that was an adventure with Han Solo, which I guess is commendable. It's like, okay, that was just like a fun adventure movie with Han Solo. But it does give you clues as to where everything goes. And I couldn't say I was all that intrigued by the potential of where all of this goes. I bet it goes directly into that Obi-Wan Kenobi movie they're going to do. <laughs> now, um, that yeah. could be... Now, and, and saying this... The Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is still, like, a rumor. Like, there's nothing been confirmed. But on Friday, they did announce a Boba Fett movie directed by James Mangold. Like, that's actually happening, apparently. And Which I'm sure will have a connection to this one. I would like to think that it would take place within this time period. And I guess the clever way to do it would be to not have a Han Solo 2, but to have... Another, you Lando. Know, Lando, or I mean, they've announced Boba Fett, so Boba Fett the movie, and it would just, it would be, I guess, like Peter, you mentioned, Marvel stuff where they kind of cross over within each other, so you have all the same actors, but they can make their own stories around it, leading into think... some kind of Avengers type <laughs> solo ending before a New Hope starts, I guess. Right, I mean, a major story involving Han Solo and the Rebellion before Star Wars is a stretch, but you know, whatever. I still think it's I still think it's weird that like for some reason and I am not like I think you know I'm I think I'm God maybe I'm the most well no because you like Rogue One I was gonna say I think I'm the most positive Disney Star Wars person on this thing but you really we're, like we're about equal so because I'm, you don't like yeah, Rogue yeah. One and I do and you like Solo more than I do so yeah so but I mean we all I think all three of us really like Last Jedi even Yancey likes Last Jedi I like Force Awakens probably the most out of us um, but anyways I mean, I, the one thing i don't get is that in the marvel universe yes captain america takes place in the past that's true but in general the marvel movies are moving forward and i don't get why the star wars the two star the, so far the two star wars anthologies and theoretically boba fett and obi-wan what is with the why are they always trying to go up to the first episode four because that's where the always, most that's where the most uh, love and nostalgia is they want to keep it in that pocket the best they can yeah man i just well, it I don't bridges really, it bridges the fans of both worlds it bridges the fans of the prequels and the original trilogy but it's all yeah, stuff true, that you true. know from the original trilogy mostly it's a young version of this character that's one of the most you know iconic cinematic characters of all time it's one of the biggest you know, weapons that everyone can, you know, the Death Star in Rogue oh, One, Death that's, Star. everyone knows yeah. the Death Star. You can make movies based around that. And those are ideas that, I mean, one seems a little lazier <laughs> than the other, but those are ideas <laughs> that can work for an audience that's like, what do I need to know a Star Wars movie for that's not about Luke Skywalker? Oh, it has this other thing that right, I'm very familiar with. You could, but like, for Boba Fett, you could easily come up with some some dumb reason that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit, and you could do Boba Fett stories post-Jedi. Well, you totally could. It's all speculation. It could... It, it, I, mean, right, I, yeah. mean, I mean, like... We don't, we don't know okay. when this Boba Fett movie is supposed to be, so it very well could be post-Sarlacc Pit Boba Fett. <laughs> I would assume I'll bet Obi-Wan. you that Han Solo, Boba Fett, and, and Obi-Wan form some kind of a trilogy. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't... That, that's more of my expectation. I'm just saying we don't necessarily know that that's the case. <laughs> and I think and I think if Disney is smart, and I think they are smart, I think they will not... I think they should keep Aaron Reich as Han. They don't have to make another Han Solo movie, but I think they should bring him back. I think at the end of the day, people who see the movie will come away liking him. So I think yeah, they, I would agree. They, I hope they're smart enough to know they can, they've got their Han Solo. They don't, well, need, to, they don't need to trash he's, him. He's signed on for multiple movies. Like they, you know, yeah. they they're not going to trash him. Like that's not the. No, that's but not you the know, movie. a lot of audience, a lot of these. 
people are going to be very bitchy about this movie for the next two weeks. They're going to say it's the worst thing ever. They're going to say they're over Star Wars. They're going to blame it all on all the Aaron Reich and some movie studios will balk and, and cotton to the fanboy sort of. To, I mean, to its credit, it seems like even the I haven't read too many reviews, but the, I mean, to its it's in reactions. But the Aaron Reich does not seem to be the thing that people are against in all of this. Like that's no, no. It, it but seems I, think like... he's, I think he's the thing, the idea of selling a new Han Solo is the thing that didn't catch on. You know? Sure, but I, I don't think anyone's leveling it at the foot of Alden. And if, if anything, they're like, oh, that was actually a better part than I expected. While the rest of this movie is like, whatever. Like, it seems like Glover and Aaron Reich are the things that people respond to the most. And L3, for that matter. Um, so we should come back in Boba Fett. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think you're correct as far as, I don't think it's a question of Disney having to be smart about it. They just know better <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah i'm not gonna good. recast this right let's get back to the movie itself um as far as beyond speculation um what do you guys think of like the action in this movie there's a lot of millennium falcon based action there's a lot of shootouts and stuff there any, any overall thoughts on seeing the millennium falcon in action in a hurricane or anything like that oh i that I scene was good this yeah that scene i thought was really pretty fun like i really like that scene and, the, and and it was great the whole again i don't want to spoil but yes the whole notion of the Kessel run and what yeah. is, what did he, what did he always say that he did it under what? 12 parsecs, 12 parsecs. And then how they set up that. I think it's normally 20. And I thought that was pretty good. I was like, Oh, this is pretty. And I also, is this the first movie where, cause it could have been in one of the cartoons or something. I never noticed that the millennium Falcon, the, the front closes somehow. I never it's noticed a, that. It's a pod. It's like an escape pod. They jettison at some point. Yeah. The, Yes, it's not. Oh, oh! They shoot. In fact, that's how they that, that in that sequence they use that pod for one for something. Oh, okay. So in most of the movie when we're seeing it, it looks closed. You're saying that it's not that it's closed. It's more like that's a piece that leaves. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a pit, ah. it's a piece that's missing. <laughs> that's, that's okay, what it is. okay. Because I was like, I was like, wait, I was like, why does it look different? And I was like, oh, what? I, yeah, okay. What? Yeah, I, that's what, cool. What yeah. I'll say, what I'll say about the Millennium Falcon in general, I not only do I like the use of the Millennium Falcon in this movie, I like how personal it becomes for the characters involved with it and how important it is to see where it starts versus where it ends in this movie there is a lot of humor based around that but there is some there's some revelations you get about what goes into the millennium falcon that i think work they 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 actually add something to the character for sure beyond beyond just like it's it's less it's not something I really like, huh? You only you don't have the last name, huh? And you're by yourself. I guess Solo's the way to go. Oh, with it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was pretty cheesy. Yeah, that was pretty not cheesy. Great. Like not great. Like as, yeah, as like, far yeah. as like you know, kind of fan service goes, the use of the Millennium Falcon in this movie, I think, is pretty A plus. Like it's really it works for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I agree. And that's see, that's the that's a I guess that's another conversation, which is that I mean, I will say that just like. God, I think we had this on a podcast. What's the movie with the bunny? Yancey didn't like it, and you liked it. I was in the middle, and I watched it. It's Disney. It's the with Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Zootopia. 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 Okay, so I thought Zootopia was fine when I saw it. Yancey didn't like it. Aaron loved it. And I remember Aaron was always like, you got to watch it again. you got to watch it again. And then I did. I did watch it again. And I did like it a lot more. I still don't think it's an A, but I did like it more. I was like, oh, okay, this is better than I thought it was. And I've always wanted to do that with Rogue One, but I've never been able to sit through Rogue One more than once. I've put it on, and after about a half hour, I'm like, eh. Um, but what I wanted to get at was, I think Rogue One and Hunt and Solo both have a lot of like fan service. But I guess for me, the reason it works in Solo is that Solo's so light. 
It's kind of yeah, like, yeah, the whole movie's kind of light anyways, so who cares if they're going to do fan service? Rogue One, I think, is kind of trying to be an affecting story, and I feel that the, the fan stuff's a little distracting, if that makes sense. I would say I don't think there's as much fan service as you think there is in Rogue One, and I don't think it's as dark as you think it is either. But of course, I've seen the movie multiple times, and you've seen it one and a half, so what do I know? Anybody worries about fan service, these whole movies... These, these Disney Star Wars movies are literally fan service. That's what they are, 100%. So trying to pull out the little reference to go, oh, we don't like this fan service. It's funny because these are made. These weren't made because someone had, we have to tell another Star Wars story. We've got to get those rights from Lucas. The story must be told. The story must be told. That's the other thing. It's not limited to just the anthology <laughs> movies. It is all of the movies in general. Um, but there, you know, there are some that do it better than others. Um, oh, that's true. That's true. But I, but but in regards to what you're saying about Solo, yes, I think because the movie is a lighthearted movie that's basically almost an action comedy, not quite, but it, you know, it verges on that. It inherently lends itself to the idea of yeah, we can call back to these things. I just wish it was done better. Like I mentioned the Solo thing already, the whole the last name part of it already. It's like you know that's that's the pretty it's the laziest way of getting his name to be Han Solo. Like, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing to lame. that. No, I, yeah, I agree. That's yes. And unfortunately, uh, are they setting up another like who is he really thing? Is that what we're doing with this him too? Oh yeah, I assume he's Snoke's son or something. I, you know whatever. Han <laughs> <laughs> Skywalker. You know, I, I, there's a point here. I will I'll say this to Yancey's. I, I think if I'm getting what Yancey's saying, somewhat his defense of that maybe the Star Wars universe isn't as huge as, as we're thinking is, yeah, his name. When you, in 1977, when you have this movie and it's like the Death Star and Han Solo and these names Mount are Mount Doom. Like, That's another thing, but I just hate that name. Go on. Right, but... but <laughs> I don't think when you're watching the first Star Wars movie, it's that big of a deal to you why this guy is named Han Solo. But suddenly when you expand the universe and you're like, well, wait, what is, why is that his name? It just, yeah, it, it kind of breaks it. Cause you're like, what? No, this is just feels, I, it, it, whereas in the first movie, you're just kind of like, all right, it gets a goofy name, but it's also called the death star and everything. But now you goofy have to name, somehow connect awesome all name. these. Wait, what? It's a cool name. It's I'm just, I do like well, the, now, the Death Star does make a lot of sense to me. It's like, well, yeah, it's, do, a, it's, it's okay. the size of a moon and it blows shit up. Like, it's the Death Star. Okay, but I, it's, but it, it's very, I understand what you're saying, yes. It's, it's very it's, literal, yes. And it, in terms of, and that's that's less about, that doesn't make me think this universe isn't as big as I thought it is. It just makes me think, well, this is the, the, the least interesting route we could take with telling other stories. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. I mean... I don't know. You know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of conversations over the decades about not just Star Wars, but I mean, that that notion of when you have some kind of fantasy or science fiction world and how much things expand or shrink like the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 a valid point that I think Yancy is saying that I don't know. Like, did you did you guys notice that they mentioned Bosk? Yeah. No, the, yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, which is great, but it is true. It is supposed to, like I think yeah, yeah, it's it is just some little tiny detail. It's kind of like oh, boss, that was that action figure I had. He's a body he's a, he's a creature you know, design. Like, he's not a character with a story. It doesn't. Or, it doesn't escape. It, do, it doesn't mean, like. It doesn't escape me that the logic of making movies within this universe is purely monetary. Like that's that's the goal of, of doing something like that. It, that's not beyond me. But I can't deny that I'm so fascinated by this universe that if it's going to be something not connected but within it. I am intrigued by that. And but what's left if you take away this story? What's left? The lightsabers? What about it is left? 
What? You're not telling the fourth from the Skywalkers. That's up, Wait, what? that's up to a good script, though. That like I could, I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy with a movie that has no characters I've ever heard of whatsoever that takes place inside of Star Wars. Just like well, I'm happy, just like I'm happy, just like just like why just make another sci-fi movie. I'd be happy well, with that. I mean, I'd be okay. happy with that too. But the banner is intriguing to me. I like this IP. I like this universe. I like the use of credits and swoop bikes and random shit. Like like that's the that, that kind of stuff intrigues me. It's like okay, if we're gonna use characters I've never heard before, but still use this universe, I get that you're just taking my money from me. But at least I already like this universe. Yeah, and also I would say credit to George Lucas then for yes, he wanted your money, but he also obviously had something on his mind with those prequels. Yeah, and well, it's uh, and it's for sure. Yeah, but it's not absolutely. But granted, 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 it varies upon the filmmaker. But there's plenty of other filmmakers that could have something on their mind that could write a great script that happens to be within a universe. Within this, not within this universe. I don't think you can. I don't think this universe begs out for other stories to be told. Like just, I know we all love Star Wars, but we all have this weird thing where we don't. Mean old George Lucas wasn't going to give us any more Star Wars, so we took the Star Wars away from now. We're making it ourselves, but it's not Star Wars anymore. It's just you, 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 there's nothing left. What, what, what's there without that story? Well, but, but look, I mean, look again um, to bring up uh, something. Unfortunately, Yancey's not into, but I mean, in the early 2000s, which in theory George Lucas was a part of, um, Bioware made Knights of the Re- Knights of the Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic is a Star Wars game that's like, I think it's like 10,000 years yeah, it's, before. Yeah, it's multiple thousands right. of descent, yeah. it's, like, it's a really good story. I mean, like, it's all about, but it totally is about the Force and everything. But it's not the Skywalkers, but the character, I mean, it's really good. I mean, like that, and I remember telling you, because when Yancey and I first met him, I remember saying that. Now, was George Lucas involved? Probably, probably, he probably was. I mean, because at yeah, that time he owned it. Yeah, but I mean, like that's a really good story that it was that was Star Wars and not really related to all these other things. And so, I mean, it's totally possible. I mean, yeah, but in seventy but yeah. or eighty years, has anybody I don't know has anybody post J.R.R. Tolkien written or added anything to that world that really resonates like those original? I, I doubt it. Well, okay, how about this? I I thought of this yesterday because yeah, off podcast, um, Yancey and I were talking about this notion of the artist and the world that they create and everything. Yancey, and this is going to sound strange, I don't I don't think Aaron, Aaron likes this, but Yancey, what would you say about Rob Zombie's Halloween? You and I did not like the first Halloween. We've come around to it. We love Halloween, too. That is I, Rob I'm, Zombie. I agree with you guys. That is Rob Zombie. But, okay, that's Rob Zombie working in John Carpenter's world that he created. But you and I do very much like Halloween, too. Wouldn't that be an example of a filmmaker saying, you know what, I've got my own take on this, and it's pretty good. I mean, what about that? Yeah, but I think the original Halloween, which is a masterpiece, but it's a very, yes. it's a, a sketch of, oh, it's a very threadbare movie. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of psychological depth going on. Rob Zombie made the sort of real-world PTSD one very effectively. I guess David Gordon Green is going to do it again, but I don't know how you could once again reinvent it. I think, and that's what I was saying, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, is Flash Gordon done with that sort of 70s hip, sort of more liberal sensibility, you can't. I don't know how you can then reinvent it again. And you use 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 the, uh, the 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 example of Swamp Thing yesterday. You're talking about the Alan Moore Swamp Things from the eighties, where they reinvented the Swamp Thing. And of course, those are the characters are the characters are over ten years before that. But those are the great. But since then, I don't think they've done Swamp Thing again to any great. You know, you can take a, a basic thing and 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 flush it out with psychological depth. But you can't just keep doing it over and over again because I don't know what's. I'm, you know, maybe, I may be wrong, but I've never seen anything that was Star Wars that wasn't involved with Lucas that felt like Star Wars to me. Well, this is a question to solve for another day, because we have to move on. 
right. I, I think we've got our thoughts out on Solo. When when would you say people should go and see this movie, Peter? Um, I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan right away, if you just like yeah. these kind of big movies, I'd say you could do a matinee or, or wait. But it's good. It's fine. I mean, it's. I heard it's not worth seeing in 3D. It's yeah. not worth the extra ticket price. Yeah. I think see it. Uh, don't don't rush out to see it. I think lowered expectations are appropriate, and you'll be rewarded if you don't expect the greatest thing in the world. You know, if you expect a modest little fun movie, you'll get it. If you watch it on Netflix two years from now, I think maybe spending twenty five dollars for a ticket. Yeah, people, it's a bit you much. know, whatever. You know what I mean. I'd be. I'd be curious if there are people that are letting that you know not as big on Star Wars that like this movie more because of how kind of throwaway it seems. I'm curious what that audience is like. Um, I would say yes. I wish Ebert was alive, man. I would love to see Ebert take on these last four Star Wars movies. Too bad he would have loved Last Jedi. I don't know. He might have been. I don't know what he would have thought of the other ones. Probably two and and a half. I'd say two and a half for both. Um, yeah, probably two. Yeah, I could see. He might have liked Force Awakens though, like three stars. He might have been like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, I don't know. Nah, he was pretty rough on that one on the fact of the clones. So oh, he like, was. That's true. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. You he, might be. I don't know. He was two and a half on JJ's Star Trek, also. But anyway, oh, was he, he was. Yeah. Um, oh, right. He also didn't like the, the the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie, so he's definitely traditionalist when it comes to those things. Wait, he, he didn't. He liked them more as they went along. He liked the he first three two, stars. Three, three stars, stars for Fellowship. Three stars for Two Towers. Three and a half stars for Return of the King. Yeah, um, he never stopped complaining that it didn't feel like Tolkien to him, which sounds like me. But interesting. Okay, anyway. I love those. So. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. That's our that's our review on Star Wars Solo: A Star Wars Story. Abe was not able to wake up and join us for this conversation, but don't worry. Abe, Anna, and I think we'll be able to have a bonus conversation getting more into spoilers about the film for a special Out Now Nights, Nights episode. Um, let's Out move on. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, get to our, let's get to our feedback. Feedback, 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 where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We asked a number of questions for the listeners, and they gave us answers. Then the listeners gave us some questions. Actually, I don't think we have any questions this week. So, yeah, just good, because we're already going along. Um, so let's do this. Let's get to some questions. Uh, Peter, Yancey, feel free to lend in any responses you might have. And um, here we go. First question is, favorite performance by a younger actor as an iconic character previously, previously seen in films? Matthew writes, the CGI baby that plays the chosen one in Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Okay. Uh, Alan has River Phoenix in The Last Crusade. Christopher has De Niro is the greatest of all time. Uh, Jason has James McAvoy as Charles Xavier. Darren has Michael Fassbender as Magneto. And Dennis has De Niro in Godfather 2. Wait, so can I say Taylor Scout Taylor Scout Compton in Zombies Halloween because she's young? Or are you saying it has to be like a, a younger version of the original yeah, not Yeah, not a remake of the same character, but the, you know, a, a, a version of that character at a different age. Hmm. So, like, that's why De Niro is easily my best answer here because he's playing young Marlon Brando in that movie. Yeah, that is a pretty good answer. Um, it's hard to hard to top that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yancey, can you think of anything? I don't know. Well, I think that, I think you're I think whoever said De Niro is probably objectively right. I will say, just from a sort of cleverness standpoint, I was really I thought it was really clever that they cast Rob Lowe as the younger version of Robert Wagner in those Austin Power movies. That was a that, that was a good choice. Show, that works. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's hard to yeah. You know, Phoenix is pretty good in that in that prelude. Um, oh yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think despite my ambivalence to Star Trek, Chris Pine gets points for being a good actor. Yeah. You know, where William Shatner. Well, but that well, then that would 
how is that different than the Taylor Scott Compton? But they're thing. playing younger versions of it. I mean, that that universe exists literally with adult oh. Leonard Nimoy, you know, around with Zachary Quinto. So. No, I see what you're saying. Okay. So they're they're um, playing younger versions of those. That's that's how they became those characters. Right. So none of us are going to say Jake Lloyd. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Even though I love the Phantom Menace, but um, right. how do I? Let's move on to the next I question. Uh, favorite movie pilots. Uh, Justin has Han Solo, Ray, Luke, Alex Rogan. I would also say Tony Stark. Christopher has Maverick, President Whitmore from Independence Day, Will Smith, uh, Stephen Hiller in Independence Day, Star Lord, and Wash from Serenity. Uh, Dan has Jack Ton- Tono Pork- Porkins. Um, <laughs> Mike has Maverick and Goose. And Frankie has Bishop from Aliens. I'm gonna say Dennis Quaid's Gordo Cooper from The Right Stuff. That's the a, greatest pilot I ever saw. That's a that's a. I mean, Chuck, Sam Sam Shepard is Chuck Yeager. <laughs> oh, Sam Shepard too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who I would. I I mean, I. But what about I, Sully? Sully, yeah. Landed out of fucking Hudson. Yeah, I can't. I mean, they're all good. I mean, I do like I do like Ray as a pilot. I mean. I, I guess I would have to go with because I love Tom Cruise. I guess I got to go with Maverick. It seems like Iceman's the better pilot in that movie, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, you know who didn't have a like a breakdown and have to quit for a yeah. few days? <laughs> Iceman, <laughs> who didn't lose his party. That's true. Yeah. It's true. Good point. <laughs> um, next question: We have favorite Star Wars droids. Mike has K two S O and BB eight. Yes, they're the newer, but partially due to watching the joy of my son getting them. Uh, Luke writes Vufa Ra. Damn it. Uh, Lando's real droid sidekick erased from continuity and supplanted by L3. Uh, I guess that's from uh, the novels, if I had to guess. Uh, Justin writes R2 and BB-8. Dan has EV-99. Uh, Christopher has R2-D2 and C-3PO. Droids? Yeah, I'd still still go with R2. R2. I do like BB-8 a lot. R2 is the chosen one, so I'm I'm an R2. R2 and 3PO are the only ones that are interesting. I mean, what are you talking about? BB-8 is just R2 again. Ah, but BB-8's so adorable. I like BB-8. He's adorable, yes, yes, yes. But he is adorable. adorable. He's 77. No gonk droid love. I like him too, but... No fan for... No fans of Medical Ball? No, Medical Ball. (laughs) He does his own movie, for sure. Or what about the the one that comes in and and interrogates Princess Leia, that ball thing? Torture droid? Yeah. (laughs) That's a fantastic character. (laughs) All right. Probot. Yes. Anyway, next one. Favorite origin stories on film? Justin, only Justin answered this one. I was going to write Wild Wild West, but probably just The Incredibles. Mm, Incredibles is a very good origin story. I would just say Superman the movie. Set the template. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, Godfather 2 again, maybe, with the De Niro stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good origin story. That's that's pretty great. Yeah, I know. yeah, I don't really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't add anything. I think those are all. Yeah, those are all. Let's get to our next answers. question. Next question is favorite Woody Harrelson performance. Adam has The Edge of Seventeen. Dan has he seconds that answer. Jim writes Natural Born Killers. Scott has the series of true, the series True Detective season one. Luke has Zombieland. Evelyn has No Country for Old Men. Christopher has The Cowboy Way. Stefan has Anger Management. Kevin has Billy Hoyle and White Man Can't Jump. Frankie has Natural Born Killers. Zachy has Cheers. Michael Lee, friend of the show, right, not, not a lot of friend of the shows on this answer. Michael Lee writes uh, the Saturday Night Live 1989 monologue. <laughs> um, and Justin writes White Man Can't Jump. It certainly wasn't the time he flew my airline and was drunk. Just saying. 
Oh my God! <laughs> Nobody mentioned what is clearly his greatest performance: the Larry Flynn versus Larry Flynn. He's fantastic in that movie. Oh, he is great. Really? Nobody uh, yeah. mentioned that. Nobody I forgot about. No, no, I forgot. I was that. thinking True Detective, but he is oh, great Larry in Larry Flynn. Flynn. He's so great at Larry Flynn. Well, you think he's great as True Detective, also? Uh, sure, of course. No one mentioned the actual gay answer, which is Kingpin. His best performance. Kingpin is also a wonderful movie. I love Kingpin. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingpin's great. Um, but as an acting job, I mean, come on. That I'll, Larry Flint movie. I, I was looking at his filmography. Woody works. Like, he has, like, four movies a year for, like, decades. Yeah, he <laughs> like, does. He, the guy does yeah. not great, stop working. Man. He used to be the guy on Cheers, and now he's one of the most reliable character actors we've had. He's he good he was good on Cheers. He is. Yeah. Well, he's a, a likable presence, but he can play that kind of the line of, like, either he's just really likable and goofy, or he can be kind of mean and sinister. Like it's if you had cast him as the Paul Bettany part, he could have done that, too, I think, in, yeah. in Solo. Paul, I didn't mention it, by the way, but I do think Paul Bettany's quite good in the movie. Like, he doesn't get, yeah, he a, lo- he doesn't get a lot of scenes, but he just hams it up in a way that works perfectly for the movie. So. Yeah, I would agree. Although, would at it... this point, you know, now that they've got so many um, different variations on the way you can have a lightsaber, like, he got the little, he has a little, like, double-bladed knife. I think someone should have a, 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 a like a like a, um, a lighter that's a lightsaber to, to light a cigarette in the next one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like a butane lighter, but it's a lightsaber that comes out. All right, next question: uh, Who are some actors you'd love to see play younger versions of famous characters? Justin writes: I think John Boyega can pull off a young Denzel Washington, and Jim Dietz writes: Daryl Taylor, another friend of the show, as young Forrest Whitaker. What do you mean? Who, as who? Yeah, he's just saying his friend as a as a young Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Wait, which, 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 which part? Just him in general. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because Denzel put a lot of different parts. Wait, would, would, I'm sorry, going back to our first question, would Daniel Craig have counted as an answer? Because that's what yeah. is becoming James Bond, right? So that would count. I, I suppose you found the technicality in our non-consequential podcast question, sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Um, but hmm, would I like to see young... Oh, well, you know who I was wanting? Uh, oh, wait. Well, this is kind of a weird tangent. I've always wanted to see, um, what is her name? Elisa Cuthbert, the girl from 24. Yeah. I always thought she'd be fantastic if they did a biopic on Debbie Harry. So that's a very weird tangent I'm going on. But I always thought she'd be fantastic. So there, there's my head. Now she's too old, so never mind. But She can be okay. old, Debbie Harry. Well, but I mean, yeah, yes. But I mean, Debbie Harry, I think it was like 31 for Parallel yeah. Lines. It doesn't matter, but... I always thought she'd be really good casting-wise. I was like, she'd be great. You know? I remember you um, saying that when The Girl from Next Door came out. You said that. I did, yes. That's true. Um, but yeah. All right. Next question. Last question. Favorite cinematic first mate or sidekick? David Wright's Master and Commanders, Captain Jack Aubrey, and Dr. Stephen Maturin. Speaking of Paul Bettany. Uh, Justin asks, would Marty McFly count? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, and Mike Jones writes, Captain Chaos. Try to think of what that's from. <laughs> but... Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run. There we go. I was like, that's something old that I'm not picturing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Dean Martin in Rio Bravo. There you go. The oh. Drunken, the drunken yeah. shooter. Nice. I need to, I need or to Chewbacca. Chewbacca is also great. <laughs> oh, you know Chewbacca? We didn't really mention Chewbacca too much. I like the new person playing Chewbacca. I will, I'll say, I mean, I would, I would say this about these new films in general. I think they've the ones that feature Chewbacca have all done a good ta- job using Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. Chewbacca's been good. You're right. I, I think they, yeah, they, they've really serviced that character Chewbacca. very well. Like, they they know how to use him as far as letting him do things that are inherently humorous or just apl- apply to the characters in some way. He's in all of them except Rogue One, right? He's not yes, in Rogue One. Yes, he's not in Rogue One. But, 
Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and yes, the new character, the new actor, uh, Junus Suatamo, which seems like a Star Wars name in itself. Um, <laughs> he's he, he he. I mean, Peter Mayhew is older and just can't kind of move the same way. So yeah, they, they found a good Finnish tall man to play Chewbacca. So. Anyway, uh, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on now. Let's get to. I got. I I have a game here. That is, of course, the improv theme for games, and I have a game for you guys this week. It is called A Pirate Story, and I'm excited about this game, guys. Basically, it, it, t- it takes two things to answer this game. But I, So I'm going to describe a famous pirate. It might either be a regular pirate or a space pirate, and you need to give me not only the name of the pirate or the actor, but you need to give it a title to its spinoff movie. So... For example, the obvious one, you know, a smuggler who flies the Millennium Falcon, that would be Solo, a Star Wars story. So I'm going to describe other pirates. Is that the only one? You'll see in these 11 answers that I have right here for you. But But I'm going to describe a pirate that should be well-known, and you will give me the name of said pirates, colon, a blank story. So you got to have both parts. Cool? Understand? Cool. Right, yep, yep, yep. If you think you have an answer, Pirate Roberts, the Princess Bride. If you think, if you think you have an answer, <laughs> say your name and then you have the answer. Here we go. Here's the first one. A constantly drunk and very flamboyant trickster, rarely in command. Yancy. Yancy. Captain Jack Sparrow, a Pirates of the Caribbean story. There you Is go. That's that it. That's <laughs> that answer. That's that simple. You're on the board. Okay, that's the first one. Here's the next one. A one-handed captain seeking revenge on his airborne foe. Like oh, is it, it Peter? Yeah. Is it a hook with Peter Pan or whatever? Phrase it as a as a Star Wars as a story. Uh, Captain Hook. Um, wait, wait, say this again. What? Phrase it as a spinoff. Like <sighs> solo a Star Wars story. What would it be? Captain Hook a. Uh, uh, Captain Hook, um, different treading water. I don't know. Oh boy, Yancey, give me an answer. (laughs) Captain Hook, a Peter Pan story. There you go, done. (laughs) Wait, why is it? Wait, I don't understand. No, I thought, but the point is, it's it's Hook that's the lead, not Peter Pan. And so it'd be called Hook, a Peter Pan story. (laughs) It's in the Peter Pan universe. Wait, don't I get this? I'm the one who I'm the one who wait. Okay, no, you got the first part. You didn't get you didn't get both parts of the answer. I didn't get the clue. Okay, here's I the next. Got... Here's the next one. An escaped convict who can see in the dark. Oh, Peter. Yeah. So, <laughs> it be uh, Riddick, a pitch black story. Sure, there you go. Riddick story. Yeah. There's some there's some wiggle room on some of these. That that one works. All right. There you go. Here's the next one. A former rebel brown coat soldier and this captain of the Serenity. Peter, uh, Firefly, a Mal story. No, Mal, a Firefly story. There you go. You're tied. Wow, I'm actually tied with Yancey. This never happens. Um, go right, ahead. Here's the next one. A hip and very droll bounty hunter with martial arts skills and an animated crew. 
Can you say it again? A hip and very droll bounty hunter with martial arts skills and an animated crew. Peter. Yep. <sighs> Shoot, I don't know his name. It's, uh, you talking about Cowboy Bebop? Yep. I don't know the character's name, though. Uh, and, and for the record, that is Yancey's least favorite title ever, right, Yancey? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's the title of Cowboy I'm sorry, I don't remember the character. I haven't seen Cowboy Bebop in like 10 years. All right, well, it's, it, it, it's Spike Spiegel is the name. Spy, yes. I like Cowboy Bebop, from what I remember. All right, here's the next one. A one-legged fortune seeker complete with a parrot. Yancey? Yep. Was it Long John Silver, a Treasure Island story? There you go. Nice. Here's the next one. A booby-trap-loving dead man who lives under Astoria near the goondocks. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I don't know. One more, one more time, one more time. A booby-trap-loving dead man who lives under Astoria near the goondocks. I mean, no. Okay, time. <laughs> One-Eyed <laughs> Willie, the a Goonies story. I thought a Goonies because you said Goon, but yeah, I didn't know the character's name, so. Okay. Here's the next one. A female treasure hunter with a scalp for a map. Oh, uh, P uh Peter uh, Dolores, a Westworld story? Incorrect. Damn it! Well, the scalp makes me think of Westworld. But go ahead. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I... Uh... A female treasure hunter with a scalp for... I mean, that's that's Westworld. It's a, I don't know what... I don't remember a scalp in Westworld, but I do know that this movie I'm talking about, and this is a movie podcast. Well, it's true, yeah. Um... Uh, it, it's a famous flop that bankrupted a studio. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, Peter. Oh, uh, oh go, Peter. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead, Yancey. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Neither one of us knows the character name of Gina Davis from Cutthroat Island. That yes. That's what I was going to say. I had yes. a feeling you wouldn't know the name, but yes, it is Gina Davis's character. Morgan Adams, a Cutthroat Island story. <laughs> nice. Here's the next one. I walked one. out of a test screening of that one, all right? I don't remember. How was it? I don't know. I saw about 25 minutes. I saw that with my <laughs> uncle, actually. I saw that back in the day on, like, I believe it opened Christmas Day or, like, around Christmas. And that's why that's I, saw, I saw Matthew Modine swing in bare chested like Errol Flynn, and I said, I'm out. <laughs> this isn't working for me. Here's the next one A hijacker currently serving a jail sentence who was once the captain now. Hijacker who was serving. Uh, sounds like a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Yancey. Look at me. It is a good movie. Uh, gosh. Okay, the answer was Muse, a Captain Phillips story. Oh, oh nice. Never so, would have gotten that. Somali pirates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tried to be tricky in this game, and I'm sure Abe will be on some of these. <laughs> and Anna got it, by the way. Um, last one here. A blue-skinned mercenary and mentor to Star-Lord. Yancy. I don't know her name. Yancy? Uh, Yandu, a Guardians of the Galaxy story? Correct. 
blue-skinned, Peter. Oh, right. Michael Rooker. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And Michael he's an actual pirate. She's just kind of, you know, a daughter of Thanos. You know, one Robots. of those things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Good point. Um, well, I came close to winning this game, but Yancey, you're able to pull out the win here by getting more correct. So good All job. Right. You won the game. That was a good one. That was a tough one. I tried to be clever in this, and granted, I think three players would have helped a little bit more, but, you know, this was fun. <laughs> it, and it's a one-time game, because we're not going to get many more of these, so there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on now. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's do a little out-now presents of what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and a few here. Uh, first up, Annihilation, the... Uh, Alex Garland film with uh, Natalie Portman, Oscar Isaac. And I really Disney. want. I really want to rewatch Annihilation. I, I loved it, so I'm looking forward to rewatching that. Did you see Annihilation, Nancy? No, but I want to. Yeah, uh, it, it is quite. It is quite good. I also look forward to rewatching it. I have the. I reviewed the Blu-ray. I look forward to watching it in full. Yeah, I will definitely check it out. Um, let's see. On Criterion this week, we have A Hazard, Balthazar, and Midnight Great Cowboy. Min- both. both. Both oh, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. No one's ever seen Alistair Balthazar. It's like the best animal movie ever. The best what movie? It's the best. It's, it's about a donkey who goes through this horrible life being handed from one order to the other. It's it's, a, it's actually a Jesus metaphor. It's a brilliant movie, Balthazar. Greatest animal in movie history, that donkey. Better than Babe? It's just a great... You, just, you never felt so much for a, for, for an animal character movie that you do for that, that donkey in, the, in Balthazar. He's All right. He's heartbreaking. <laughs> cool. And uh, God, the other one, Midnight Cowboy, is one of my all-time favorites. It's gonna be a great. Do you, do you have that disc yet? Does it, does it look good? I don't. I haven't uh, got it to review or anything yet. But I, yeah, the that central relationship between uh, Dustin Hoffman and John Voight is pretty wonderful. And I don't think about it much as far as like certain scenes from it. But the the final exchange between them, which is I guess the end of the movie, it's it's both heartbreaking and just one of the best, like kind of closing, you know, lines to a character, just the way it's delivered and how it's handled. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot to, to like about Midnight Cowboy for sure. Um, also on Blu-ray this week, sweet, sweet backs, badass song, the Melvin Van Peebles exploitation film. It's out on, uh, from Vinegar Syndrome, which I was good like, movie. that's a, that's a fun one to bring up. I don't get to <laughs> mention that movie very often, but there you go. Um, all right, that's out now. what's out now. Let's go to Extremely Cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix and Prime that are new. Uh, first up is Troll Hunters Part 3. This is the Guillermo del Toro um, animated, produced, created animated series that uh, Ana and I are big fans of. I know a friend of the show, Terrence Johnson, he's a huge fan of the show. He cosplays as some of the characters, but um, very worthwhile, and it's Part 3 of it. I think it's, I believe it's the last part of it, too, but a fun fantasy series for all ages. Um, well, it was a movie show, Aaron. What? This is a movie show. It's, it's, it's things that are streaming now, and it's very cinematic, Yancy. <laughs> so there. All right, all right, you just nailed Pete. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a display score and everything. So there. <laughs> anyway. All right, all right. Yeah, all right. Also out is uh, Ibiza, which is a uh, Jet Apatow produced comedy with Gillian Jacobs and um, Vanessa Bear from Saturday Night Live. Um, what else? Steve Martin and Martin Short, an evening you will forget for the rest of your life. This is a new comedy special with the two aforementioned people. Um, I watched the, we watched this on, um, Friday night. Very funny. Um, yeah, I gotta see it. Yeah. If you like Steve Martin and Martin Short, and why wouldn't you? They have a lot of fun on stage. Uh, they both do their acts and tell stories from, like, the three, three amigos days and whatnot. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, also on Netflix this week... Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Part One of their final season, 
And lastly, Coco. Coco is going to be streaming on Netflix this week. And on Prime this week, um, Picnic at Hanging Rock Season 1. So they've made a TV series out of Picnic at Hanging Rock. um, It's Natalie uh, Dormer. The Peter Weir Weir classic that's now a TV series. That's if ever there was a story that can't be continued, there can't be a season two of Picnic at Hanging Rock. <laughs> Unless it's all building up, I guess, to the end. I, I guess. Know. And it's set, I guess it's modern, right? I think it's a modern set show, too, from, well, from the, yeah, like okay, some I images I saw of it. Because I'm like, how are they making this into a TV show? But okay. All right. How is, how's the original? It's a, cla- it's a It's a Peter Weir movie. It's great. It's, great. it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> It has this. Haunting, it has haunting, a huge criterion movie. set. Like it has the movie on two, like and a bunch of features, and then it has the actual book that it's based off in it too. It's really cool. Yeah, you love that one, Pete. You got to see that. You love it. Yeah. But anyway, um, last thing we do here, or not last thing? It's the second last thing. Next week's show. Next week, I forgot to write a thing here, and I'm also not sure what next week is going to be. What's next week is? Um, what's coming out next week? Action point, adrift, and upgrade. Okay. Oh, Adrift. I hope that's good. Did you see it? Not yet. So, yeah. Up, upgrade looks a lot of fun. Looks like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And the Johnny Knoxville thing looks like fun. That probably not something for the whole podcast, but I mean, there's there's things to look forward to, I guess, in some of those. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what we figure out. Um, but last thing we do here: what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Uh, Peter Paris, what should people see in theaters right now? Um, I guess Solo. Um, and then I'm going to go see How to Talk to Girls at Parties. I'm going to go see that this weekend. All right. Um, this guy did Hedrick and the Hangry Inch and Elf Fanning. And looks like a comedy version of Under the Skin, right? It's based off a Neil Gaiman novel, too, I believe, right? That's yes, a, yeah. yeah. So I heard it's okay, but I'm curious. It's the kind of subject matter. Unlike the jungle. Not like kind of Mowgli. <laughs> right. Unlike, it's something that I'm like, oh, I'd check that out. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, see, how about you? What should people see in theaters right now? Uh, having not seen too much of what's out, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's anything I would say go see it. Uh, if you haven't seen Infinity War, that, that's obviously a, a a a full meal of a movie. Um, if you want that kind of thing, um, I'm looking forward to Incredibles two for sure as a Pixar devotee. Um, that's what's out now. I mean, yeah, I guess go see Solo. I mean, it, just don't have your expectations pumped too high because it's, you know, just kind of a goofy movie. Which, eh. yeah, I'd agree. All right. Um, I would say, yeah, Avengers is certainly fun. Isle of Dogs is still out there, and I'd recommend that. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That's a good one. Oh, I never saw it. Uh, totally's quite good. And The Writer, actually, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, but The Writer keeps expanding slowly, but it's a really solid independent film um, that I would recommend quite a bit, if you could find it. Um, so, And what I'm seeing next, I might be seeing Ocean's 8 this week, or Hotel Artemis are things that are all coming up in... All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Peter Paris, where can people find more of you? Uh, nowhere right now. I need to get back. I mean, I, I am on Twitter, on Pajamo, and Instagram, Pajamo, but unfortunately, I've, I haven't really been posting a lot lately, so I need to get back to that. All right. Yancey, how about you? Um, yeah, I guess you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Yancey Jack, one word, um, my first and middle name. Um, as for now, yeah, that's about the best place to do it. All right. You can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. You can feel free to check us out over at HHWLOD for past episodes as well as on Podomatic.com. 
Uh, you can also find us, you can email us any thoughts you might have had on Solo or anything else we have talked about today over at Outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us or like us over on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash Outnotpodcast or twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, send plenty of scary clown gifts involving Star Wars to Abe at Outnotpodcast.tumblr.com, particularly with the message that says, wake up Abe. Hashtag wake up Abe. That's what we're putting out there this week. <laughs> um, thank you both, Peter and Yancey, for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, this is a lot of fun. We got to talk a lot about Star Wars, which is always fun. And um, plenty of other things coming up this summer. And I look forward to continuing to compete with you guys in the summer gamble. So, yeah, all that and more coming soon on the podcast, of course. But until next time, that's going to do it. So, so long, so low, and goodbye. Would, would, I'm sorry, going back to our first question, would Daniel Craig have counted as an answer? Because that's when yeah. he's becoming James Bond, right? So that would count. I, I suppose you found the technicality in our non-consequential podcast question, sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's great. <laughs>